0: Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird, you made it weird, you made it weird, oh yeah. You made it weird, you made it weird, (laughs) yes you did, (laughs) you made it weird, weird. oh yeah. Yeah. You made it weird weird. with Pete Holmes.
1: (laughs) What's happening weirdos? David Bazan, wonderful musician and uh, new friend and similar mind and just an all around good time. So, so excited that he got to be on here. Uh, Some of my, uh, you know, uh, Christ leaning (laughs) weirdos will know David's music from before and some of you might be even more familiar with it. Uh, since after. You'll understand after you listen to this. We'll also play just a little bit of his music before we start the episode, just so you can get a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a taste of uh, how great he is. So glad he got to do it. Um, I am on tour. I'm actually recording this from my hotel in Rhode Island. URI was amazing. Thank you to the weirdos that came out and the uh, cities that I will be in next, Nashville this weekend, followed by Portland, followed by Louisville, followed by, am I saying that right? Louisville, Louisville, whatever. Uh, without, sorry, I mean, it, there's a right way to say it. Louisville Slugger with Maria Bamford, uh, Madison for the Comedy Fest. After that, San Diego. After that, Boston, and then Bloomington, Indiana. We're looking to add an Arizona date and uh, and a uh, Toronto date. So keep an eye out for that. I will announce that as soon as that is confirmed. In the meantime, please enjoy David Bazan I think you, I think you will. And uh, let me get this wonderful copy here. The ad is Squarespace. You know this. It's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace has been around for 10 years and they're constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have a beautiful design for you to start with and have a ton of style options so you can create a unique website for you or your business. They release 20 new customizable templates a year, uh, I'm sorry, this past year, and every design automatically includes a mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website so the content looks great on every device, every time. Squarespace is easy to use with simple drag-and-drop tools, but if you need help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day seven days a week there is a uh, completely redesigned customer help site for even easier access to self-help articles and video workshops the new squarespace metric app for iphone and ipad also allows you to check sites uh, stats you know like page views unique visitors and social media follows and with the blog app you can make uh, text updates, text, uh, like tap and drag images. It's that easy to change layouts and monitor comments on the go. It's so easy. I, I say this every time. I am not an HTML guy. I do not know what I'm doing when it comes to making a website, but Squarespace makes it, you know, it's, it's peat proof. It's, it's completely idiot proof. It's so fun. It's easy. And they're always there to help if you need help. Squarespace is good for everyone. Whether you need a simple website solution or if you're a developer and want to get into the code. Uh, there's just options for everybody and it starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name. If you sign up for one year, so start with a no credit card required and start building your website. When you use Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code weird to get 10% off and show your support for you made it weird. Thank you, Squarespace for your support and uh, check it out. Everybody Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Uh, Those tour dates again, Nashville, Portland, Louisville, Madison, and San Diego, Boston, Bloomington. Hope to see you out on the road. Weirdos make the show so great. Come check me out. I hope you can, and I will see you out there. In the meantime, let's listen to a little David Bazan, and then we will get into the conversation that we had. Hope you enjoy.
0: kids around and I
1: thought, I don't You know, that. would you mind sitting here? That's I the guest. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do. It was a weird thing. I wonder if you're this way, because Katie texted me. This is Katie. <laughs> Hi Katie, I'm Dave. This is David. Nice to meet you. Dave. Keeping David. a cage with Katie. <laughs> um, so she texts me, uh, it's real crazy at the store. Yeah. And then another person on the way in was like, it's real crazy in there. Yeah. And I'm like... What am I supposed to? I get so almost instantly angry. I'm right. like, what am I to do with yeah. that information? I don't know. I know you mean well, Katie. Yes, you. At least you. At least you did have a little caveat. A caveat. You know, a little bonus of like, it's still okay to park. Just know it's a little nuts. Yeah. But like, all, I'm so close to feeling anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. and panic. So when people are like, it's real nuts in there. <laughs> Where well, there's like 15 <laughs> signings. I'm like. no no part of my life will be different it
0: pushes you right over the top (laughs) except
1: that's how close i am i'm so close to panic Uh,
0: not normally i don't think but then i do talk about it quite a bit on this show i go in cycles too i i have the the fuck you right just right on the Ah! on the back of your tongue, ready to go i'm driving just like fuck you oh my god why i'm the same way and it's not always that way but there's sometimes where I I feel it there, and I'm like yeah it shouldn't be that quick.
1: Yeah yeah you know? yeah. A friend of mine uh my friend Jamie we were talking about do you know the band Frightened Rabbit? I I don't know them know them but I I know Like them. have you heard the the I do. their their songs? I do know it's them. It's not yeah. really important to the story. I, you're just a
0: musician so I thought I'd throw that my in there. My friend Bo made a couple of their records. Oh really? From, uh at least one, yeah. Oh cool. Scott uh Hutchison did this show. I saw that. I was looking through uh to listen yeah so i'd listen to the dave hill one just sort of oh no independently way. oh wow fun i like him and then i yeah. that was just one of the the first ones and i thought that's the fucking prison story was unbelievable unbelievable,
1: unbelievable. and he was like i've told it before i was like you have to keep telling that story it's there's so no great. you can't ever retire that story
0: but i was doing research to see like okay what is it going to be like because like when Marin interviews comics it's great yeah easy peasy yeah when he interviews musicians it's He's not himself. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he becomes a weirdo.
1: I did, you know, I listened to the Jack White episode, per Katie's recommendation. She's a big Jack White fan. Yeah. I like him, too. And I think I know what you're talking about. He
0: just is not in it. He, he's worried about how he comes off. And when he's interviewing comics, he's he like, fuck care. Yeah, yeah. I, he's Daddy Marin. Yeah. He's up at the top. But with a musician, I think it, cha-
1: it, it It at least changes the playing field.
0: Yeah. So I was listening. I ended up listening to the to the National Singer 1. Yeah um matt matt g- g- uh burning her burning
1: her we got to say it it's like burning her burning her help people with bazan bazan okay
0: Yeah. But, <laughs> bazan. my buddies call me bazan if that makes it Bazan.
1: Yeah. i um, like that
0: but it was great to hear because and i'm friends with the ratio and so i listened to that one and yeah. i listened to the rob bell one because i was interested in that and yeah um, sure and so, and you're just equally awesome with everybody. So oh, I like, that's nice. It took the pressure oh. off. I was like, I'm just going to go and talk, and it'll How be fun. How
1: kind? Yeah, I, I like to try when I try and get people who aren't comedians to do the show. I'm like, I'm there with you. It's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's never me interviewing you. It's us doing something together. It's just talking. Yeah. It's just talking.
0: But uh, before, and I'm sure we're rolling or whatever. But I yeah, need a whiz rolling. real quick. Yeah, go whiz. So, yeah, we'll pause for a whiz.
1: Pardon me. No, please. It's hard, man. I drank about, like, eight watermelon—I love watermelon juice. Is that right? When's the last time you made yourself a watermelon juice, David? Never,
0: never, ever. You can do it. And you have, like, a special juicer, or do you just kind <laughs> of— Throw it sp- in
1: a blender, really. Yeah. Any blender, I think. And you
0: just kind of cut the heart out and—
1: Yeah, you, you can just spoon it out. Yeah. Cut it in half. So the reason I'm just uh, em- empathizing with you is that I have a lot of urination needs today.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I, I was in—so when you— DM'd me. It was I missed it for hours, but
1: yeah, it was yesterday, wasn't um,
0: it? It was yeah, and uh, I played in Visalia last night, and then just um, you. With the band? No, no, solo house shows. I'm on a house show, too. Yeah,
1: I knew that. Okay, so my girlfriend loves you and plays you a lot for me and and got me your album. I'm sorry, when I say your album, I mean the the God Breakup one? Sure, yeah, Curse
0: curse Your Branches.
1: Okay, Curse Your Branches, yes, which I love, and she knows is up my alley, and maybe you know is up my alley based on this show. Yep. I don't know if we, we have a similar life. So then listening to your music was really, really cool, and then she told me, and as a comedian, I think we have that in common, is how do we tour? And you do these house tours. I do.
0: Tell people what that means. Um, It is just me and a guitar, and I just walk (laughs) in at about 7.59 to play at 8 in someone's living room, and there's 50 or 70 people there, and I just walk up front and just play for 75 minutes. No mic? No mic. You fucking asshole. It's pretty great. (laughs) I think comics would
1: really like it. You know... I, maybe it's because I was listening to you more and no, knowing that you did that. Like, Paul F. Tompkins is the PFT 300, which mm-hmm. means if you pledge 300 people will come, he'll go anywhere. Oh, yeah.
0: It's that's it, like a John Colton model. He's like a music, musician. He does that as well? Nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's true. I mean, if 300 people would be there, that's a, that's a decent show you'll do. it. And here you are doing... The thing, though, the problem, though... I wonder what you think about this. Yeah. If I went into a house and there's 75 people, I couldn't just speak. You know what I mean? The the comedian, you have the guitar, it's commands a, it a little helps. bit more. Yeah. I'm just another voice. Right. I'm literally, like the audience realizes he's just a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas at least you have a little bit of uh, decorum.
0: That's a good point. And I wonder, you know, like, I so for mostly people are just very quiet very reverent they paid 20 bucks right they're in a space that is not their own and is a foreign space for them it's you know when people go into rock bars or comedy clubs it's a place where they go and they're comfortable they feel it's a place where they go to misbehave once once a month (laughs) in a lot of cases right and they pee on the seat and they don't wipe the seat off after themselves and there's there's this whole way of acting and then in someone's house though people are just They're quiet and they're respectful and they're kind of in awe of the... So, But in a town like Visalia last night where everybody at the show knows each other because it's such a small town, Mm -hmm. there is a little bit more chatty chat between the songs. Mm. But then when I start playing... So to your point, maybe 10% of the time talking would be a problem, but usually people are there because they're a huge fan of yours.
1: But it's also built into... I don't know... It's only envy and awe and and, uh, appreciation that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling right now. But, like, that sort of thing the song, the structure, we know we have about three minutes. You do. And then I'm going to say, I got to take a whiz. You know what I mean? Or whatever. With a comedian, there are bits. I mean, you feel like a bit is ending. Yeah. And maybe people even applaud at the end, but like it's it's a little bit more invasive. You don't put comedy on at a party.
0: Right. That's right.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. well, you do put music on at you a party, put music obviously. On. That's
0: a that's a good point.
1: I love what you're doing though.
0: Thanks. It it's um it's kind of saved my ability to have a career um <laughs> a little bit. Why? Um just because I have steady work. Yeah. You know. It's that thing, I, I don't know how it is for comics, but where the, was there a moment before which you could kind of play anywhere and you were like, I, you know, am I going to get this booking? And Are they going to, you know, and then there comes a point where you, you can just play any town, right. pretty much any time you want. Right. And that's what house shows have provided. Where, well, that's, that's the
1: envy part. Cause yeah. I, I'm like, that's amazing. You can go and you don't need a low ceiling or all these things that comedians want for the laughs. And you know that's mean? an
0: intimacy thing that comedians want—a tight right. room, tight that, room, yeah. low
1: ceiling, cold, yeah. seating facing you. I've done shows in living rooms. Yeah, they bring a PA, but it's never that great, right? But there's something. The first thing I I heard when I thought that I was like, oh, David is creating the the life he would like. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was in like, a, in a lot realize, of ways, yeah. You're like you're the, you're in the driving seat. You can do it. Yeah, and you're doing it.
0: That's true, and and it is. I mean, there's a lot of indignities that come along with touring in clubs, uh, rock clubs, and you just get used to them over the years, and you right. sort of put up with them. And it's, you know, the difference between somebody who can tour and really enjoys it and somebody who can't is is that difference. How much indignity are you willing to endure to do this thing that you like? Right. And how much does the thing that you like offset those negative feelings by the end of the day? Right. Um, with house shows, it's... There are very few indignities to yeah. go around playing. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. I
1: picture a lot of bottles of Chianti with candles in them. Like, it just seems like something you would do in the 60s or something. That would be cool. There's <laughs> there's literally
0: been zero, I think, of that. <laughs> That's think, unfortunate. Z- yeah. we got to get that going.
1: But you don't care. Uh, in the house show, you don't care where you're seated or, or, like, am I in a corner? Or, like, you're just kind of...
0: I walk in and usually people have a decent sense of where they're going to have the, the most people be able to see. Yeah. So, like, in a... In a space where, you know, there's a corner and then there's like a kitchen one way and a living in one way store, almost where the crowd is split going right. two directions, Right, they'll put me in that corner there. Sometimes I have to go in and be like, you know, I'd rather play over here, but it's so rare. Yeah. It's so rare.
1: And it's awesome. And you, I guess another thought I has is you've never has, you've never had a problem like getting paid or anything like
0: that? No, that's, so we do, we sell all the tickets uh via PayPal in advance. Oh. So the hosts don't deal with money at all
1: you shut your dick every day yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) absolutely it just seems like what music could be and should be because you when you talk about those indignity indignities the idea of dealing with uh, bookers or shitty clubs or, yeah. or hecklers or booze or, like, talking about places people go to misbehave. Right. A lot of people seem to think that the comedy club is their time to shine. Yeah, that's you know? right. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to go be funny at a comedy club. It's perfect. <laughs> it's such garbage. And, like, really, you know... The biggest thing that I don't like, I don't like having to do a bunch of shows. Right. I don't like having to do six shows. Right. Six hours of talking is way too much.
0: You mean like in a town or in, in a week or in a weekend? Oh, in a weekend. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like a Thursday through Sunday. The tour that I'm doing currently is just Friday, Saturday, and that's four shows. Yep. And even that, the fourth show.
0: So it's two on Friday, two on Saturday. Yeah. Okay.
1: Even the fourth show on that, you're kind, you start losing your voice a little you're bit. You're burnt, yeah. And you're just getting burnt. Yeah. Whatever. Whenever the last show is, if it's the sixth show or the fourth show, it doesn't matter. It still feels like the last show. Your body decides. To start collapsing at that point
0: no that makes sense i mean i you know when i first started doing these house show tours i had this i have a wife and kids and so i had this notion of like i'm just going to get out there and work my ass off and so i would do like 40 shows in 42 days or stuff like that and and occasionally we 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 started experimenting with doubling up too on the weekends do two on saturday two on sunday oh wow um but it your body can't or my body can't sustain that over I mean, that long of a period of time, and then I zo- zooming out, I realized, oh, you're doing a hundred and eighty five days a year on the road, and mm. so you- when you're you need a day off a week at least that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. so in in that sense it's it is a little different because they don't just fly in for weekends, although man it's not a bad way to think of it. I mean part of the thing with this is that no one gave us permission to th- to do this or to think differently about it, but at a certain point, I was like, man, we need to Come up with some other thought technology to right. figure out how to do a tour, how to do a tour. Yeah, um, and so whenever I get people's thoughts or how they do things, I'm always like, okay, what little tidbits can we can I glean from that right. that might be helpful? Right. And, Mickey.
1: As opposed to just doing like a ticket master doing venue, regular venues and yep. all the bullshit, yep. you know, they, they also protect you in some ways, I suppose, but also the bullshit as yeah. well. But what I like about it is it seems to be connecting the fans and the performer. Like you're it like is. what a good show should be. And yep. I go off on this a lot is the audience and the performer becoming one thing yep. that we call a show. Yep. And then you are even taking that kind of philosophy to the, to the making of the show.
0: It It, it is a very intimate thing. And Similar to what what I'm hearing you and other comics talk about, the, what they want in a room where there's just this connection, there's a, a lot of intimacy there, and the energy sort of you know is able you able to get a good feedback loop going quickly mm-hmm. with if people are laughing. That's what house shows are to me compared to playing in venues, which sometimes you're putting out you know your best shit on stage, and there's just some obstacle that, you know. And in houses, it's very rare. Like if I'm having a great night it is like, it's a lot more like sex in that you can't, if you're not, if your head's not in it or you're just... I can't believe you're the first guest that
1: made the performance sex. Can you believe it? I, w- I was sitting on it. Like, every time this comes up, I talk about how performing is like sex and you can feel it when it's being faked and it yeah. requires the loss of ego on both parties yeah. <laughs> into
0: one thing. And so sometimes... It is sex. I, I actually picture... So there's some shows where I'm like, okay, maybe I'm kind of faltering, or there's my, my concentration is a little compromised or something, and I, I just think of my wife, and I think, okay, when we're together, and I'm feeling like it's time, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> get in the zone or I don't yeah, know yeah, I yeah. never would use words to describe no, it but there's this saying. feeling that you're
1: but that's what people like that write screenplays are talking about a look in a girl's eyes that know that that was yeah. the time to kiss her or whatever right. like you know air kind of stands still it's, you know? it's
0: energy and you're just trying to like keep the energy going in the direction right. that you want it to go and you know it's and you can't you have to concentrate. Mm-hmm. You have to be... That's not the right word. You have to be very, very present.
1: What, what do you mean? That's what I say. Yeah. It requires a presence. In fact, yeah. every time that I've ever been like, I don't feel like having sex right now. Why? Because you're thinking of where you need to be or what you need to do or what, like, but if you're really just being in the moment, sex is almost always the thing that you would like to do. You know what I mean? I think people might think that's strange to hear a guy talk that way, but my creativity and my sexuality are are very much in bed together, Mm -hmm. let's just say. So, like, if I am thinking about what I need to do or or what I'm working on, that's already uh, absorbing my sexual energy. Similarly, when you're doing a show, though... It's like when you're fucking somebody.
0: Right. I'm with <laughs> you,
1: you. <laughs> you. There sometimes needs to be a reset. Uh-huh. Some of the most uh, intimate moments sure. of my life aren't just like really, I don't want to be crude, giving it to somebody right. or like merging or we both came at the same time. That's not what I remember. I remember moments of being like, hey, hold on a second, this feels weird. And then uh, almost always it, it will be my girlfriend or, or, or the person at the time understanding. Mm-hmm. So I'm vulnerable. Yep. They see that. They accept that, I feel safe. Again, I feel like this is, traditionally I'm doing quotes here, a feminine way of thinking. But maybe I'm a feminine person. I feel seen, and then I feel safe. And then we kind of click up together. Like we're two frequencies, or we're two gears, and the gears weren't clicking together. Same thing with a show. That's why sometimes a little bit of crowd work, or or a little story, or just a moment. You know what, I'm a big fan of is just letting a moment happen Mm -hmm. that isn't good or bad. Just yeah. to remind them that this is this is not pornography. That this is real. We're making love, right? I don't want you to jerk off. I want you to fuck
0: me, right? <laughs> well, it's like um, there was a Radiolab episode where they were talking about uh, chess and how in Russia there's this chess library where they basically have all of the major games that have ever been played that were you know that have been recorded. Mm. They have all the moves um, and all the ga- the chess matches or games. I don't know what they're called, sure, but documented. And that they let some guy who was going to computerize all these things into the library. And he basically converted all these things into digital uh, files so that any chess game that's happening, you can plug in the move. And the first move of the game, it'll say, this move has been made, whatever, 11 million times (laughs) in recorded history. And then the second move, it says, this move has been made you know, seven million times. And pretty soon, if there are two guys who are really, really good at the game at chess... I'm, I understand. Um, <laughs> there comes a point in their play where they go off book, and it'll be like... They'll make a move, and it, it'll it spit it back out and say, this move has been made 11 times yeah. in the history of chess. And then the other guy makes another move, and it's like, here we are. Number this is one. like... this is the first time that this has ever happened, and right. so that it's that notion that you're talking about with pornography. It's like, yeah, we all know the recipe for right. pornography yeah. because pretty much every porno goes the same way, yeah, and or within a, within a range, and yeah. it's just really nice to connect and get off book, switch it up with somebody, and do something that hadn't been done yet. Well, and it's not even like, like the act the acts themselves but it's the way that you're connecting and that you know you're wanting this right now you're wanting that right now and as a performer you're leading a little bit more yeah but you are you're sensitive to the audience and you're doing bits in a different order and i'm not i don't have a set list and so i'm just like listening to the room and taking the temperature and just going where it feels like it should go absolutely right you know and there's jokes and there's things that i would never say again but i wish i could because they were so fucking funny, but they yeah. just wouldn't work yeah. anywhere else or whatever. And so.
1: But even that is a meditative, beautiful thing. I think it is. Being like, I can't just write that joke down. I'm not going to be the guy that has the tuning joke that I do every night. Right. I'm going to be the guy. That, I used to be really hard on myself. I'd riff something and I wouldn't write it down. But then I, it was TJ uh, Miller that told me, he was like, that. some things are just for that. That's right. Some things you can't film on your phone. And sometimes you can't make it. I don't do a set list either. I know what I open with and what I close with. Yeah. I'm assuming you're. The I generally
0: same it's roughly the same.
1: Right. But in the middle, that's what that's a presence tip. Yeah. I got that from Isaac Whitty. He was like, it keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. But then again, sorry to keep harping on the sex thing, but that is a sexual thing. Looking for cues from your lover. Yep. What do they need? Do they need it to be faster, slower? Yep. More, do they? Some shows they really like you to be a little bit more aggressive with them. They yeah. they want. I, I've had good success calling crowds dummies. Yeah, I think it's so funny sometimes. Yeah, in the it, south. For yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is because at the end it's all love. Like even yeah. though it's me saying like you guys are so stupid, like I can't
0: believe it's you not enough. malicious. It's, it's like not a roast. Mali- like you exactly. have exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. It is a roast. You're roasting the audience. Yeah. So I think that is so. We're we're really on the same page. But I'm just happy to hear that there are people like you going out and doing that. <laughs>
0: and it's easy it was easier for me to find that in the house show setting. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, even on this tour some of the... so I also even at club shows will do a Q&A where every three or four or five songs I'll say does anybody have any questions at this point in the show and it kind of gives them a chance to to give me feedback. Indirectly by mm-hmm. the kinds of things that are they're thinking about, or how uh, comfortable they're feeling, or like whatever. Passive
1: aggressive question. Like, you gonna do any old tunes? Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, do you do any Pedro the Lion songs? Yeah, like, yeah, I've yeah. played five so far. <laughs> I don't. You know, do you not know the records very well? <laughs> oh yeah. <shit. laughs> I don't do that because yeah. it's it's a very vulnerable thing in a in a show situation to to uh, you know make yourself on vul- uh, to. You know, let them be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. yeah it for, and it's for those guys too. Like I don't, I want to honor the risk that people in a in a crowd who would really rather be anonymous and look cool, right? Um, than stick their neck out. But I want to honor their that risk that they're taking. But right. Yeah. So in the house show situation. Um, sometimes people are like, why are you doing that? Like, it seems like an unsuccessful Dick Fingers, um, way to go about. You call d- these Dick Fingers? Uh-huh. <laughs> for quotes? Yeah. Okay, we're doing Dick Fingers. <laughs> dick <laughs> Fingers. Isn't that a thing? I don't It I, is now. I, um, <laughs> for me. But, uh, and there is a sense in which, yeah, it would be cool if I was selling, you know, a thousand tickets everywhere. I I would take that opportunity to Right. get right, right. paid a lot of money. Right, But. I also would still want to do this because it's the way that I know myself the best. I'm the most grounded. I'm the most connected with the pure form of this thing that I'm doing. Right. And you can connect with people every night if you're intent on doing it. Right, right, right.
1: Oh, God, that's great.
0: You made me think of, like, four
1: things, and then I just kept letting them go because I was like, be present. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not that I don't have a follow-up question. I just want to remember all of them. It was interesting. I was just – speaking of T.J. Miller, I was talking to him today, and we were talking about, like – There's all these different career moves you could do, different ways of of kind of navigating your career, this thing that we call a career. And uh, he was, like, talking about very beautifully, I thought, where he's like, I just want to do comedy. But TJ says in a way that he really means it. Yeah. And I remember saying this, and maybe I've said this on the show before. I've said most things on the show before. I like playing guitar as well. And I told my friend who was a musician in college, he was like, I was like, I like playing, but I just like playing for myself. Yeah. And he was like, well, that's the most beautiful expression of it. <laughs> like, he just thought that was so cool yeah. that I had no desire to, like, perform it or whatever. But this seems, this doesn't seem economic or, you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like you're just like, burn it and turn it. Like, yeah. I did 17, 14 Sycamore. Tomorrow I'm right, doing right. this one. I got to get the fuck out of here. It seems like a real it seems like a communion, it seems it like church it does
0: deal yeah. with it, well, no, and it's you know <laughs> i've 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 led enough Bible studies in my life, yeah. where it there's a weird feeling of deja vu, and it's like, is this just a Bible study, you yeah. know, and is that why I feel a little bit comfortable here and some in the way the Bible studies are kind of a a ghetto of sorts, I don't want it to be that, yeah,
1: I, but but what are we going for when we're doing those? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what is the thing that lost its shimmer mm-hmm. by the you and I are similarly aged by the time we
0: were doing Bible studies
1: and stuff? What what were we mimicking <laughs> that used to be awesome?
0: I wonder. I mean, and to me the, it was the closed the closed-ended nature of the Bible study which was like we can we can really dig into these verses but the conclusions that we come to no matter w- w- what route we take to get there kind of have to be the same and that was the thing that always made me feel like so the the later Bible studies that I would lead were like let's watch the Decalogue one at a time, or let's watch let's like I don't lead, know what the Decalogue is. It's, a, it's a a a Rome. It's like a. Eastern European or Russian, uh, film series that this guy okay. made that we, it was sort of each one was inspired by one of the 10 commandments really loosely. <laughs> yeah. And so at the, you know, it's, so it was really arty. Dick Except fingers. the
1: covet your neighbor's wife. That was just creepy surveillance footage of his neighbor's wife. It <laughs> actually might've been. I'm I, you sure you haven't. <laughs> I've seen some of the deck <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, I call it the deckies. <laughs> no, it's stupid. So you were like, let's do something else instead of, well, it's interesting how people, uh, live governed by uh, a myth, like a, a, a mythology right. that they absorb. And that's very beneficial and that's why people don't like it when evolution is starting to be taught in schools or right. whatever. You, when I see that old grainy footage of people banding together in their suspenders and finger wagging, I understand them. I'm just like, their mythology that they're living by is being threatened. Yeah. And that's an uncomfortable thing. So uh, why did I bring that up? You're, you're going into these Bible studies, but what always prevails isn't necessarily some inconvenient truth that's going to like, fuck everybody to wake up. You're just going to end with being like let's keep loving each other and uh being there and helping the community peace i mean that
0: that would be that would be great if that's what it it was but i for me back then and i'm I'm sure we'll talk about this but it was um i always felt trapped in these conclusions because where where i was at where i the culture that i grew up in it wasn't enough to do good Mm. um you know you could hand somebody a, a a meal, but you better look in their eye and ask them if they know where they're going when they die. Yeah. When you do that, and it was this, it was this rub that was just very uncomfortable. And so, to the degree that the shows are the intimate communal quality of that uh, we were trying to achieve with uh, Bible studies when I was much younger, I'm really happy about that. Mm. But if if it's you know just another kind of propaganda or you know, if you get everybody in a – if if it's like a cult mm-hmm. kind of thing where, like, in this environment, it'll be easy to make these people feel like I'm awesome, mm-hmm. you know, then uh, that's horrifying. That's know. really interesting. And those do things
1: that. do tend to turn that way. Even oh, even yeah. being the host of this podcast, uh, I, I have the pleasure of knowing a, a lot of the fans, getting to meet a lot of the fans. Yeah. And we do have – this podcast has a mythology that yeah. we've all
0: agreed to. Well, and they like you. <laughs> when you're in the room with those, with, with those, the fans and it's, right. that, 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 you know, they like you. Right. And that, you know, they're going to defer to you, you know, more so than if they didn't know you or right. something like that.
1: Right. And there, and there is a risk there. There's yeah. a risk to being like, oh, we could just turn into another bullshit yeah. factory.
0: <laughs> but if you're, you know, vulnerable and, and um, transparent and, you know, are, are willing to sort of admit Right, to me, it's just as simple as like you know I feel an enormous amount of self loathing from day to day, just in general, and when I'm performing, that's something that I'm kind of fighting back all the time, mm. and so I just try to wear that and let people in on the fact that like i you know I like other music, I obsess over other music, so I know how you might feel about me mm-hmm. um but you know, you don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel that way. And you know, I'm. I, I don't try not to be like openly self-deprecating or, or belabor it too much. But just let them into the fact that, like, I feel horrible. <laughs> you know, I. I feel. I, I'm. So, you know, I couldn't be less cool to myself. Um, and so I'm really leaning. You're really on hard this. on yourself. Yeah. And so, so I'm. I I need this music right now. As much as anybody in the room, because Mm. it's the thing that gets me out of myself and allows me to sort of transcend Mm -hmm. these, you know, really uh, kind of pedestrian thoughts and, and feelings that I'm having.
1: And a cumbersome suit of armor that you call, David, the yeah. Bays.
0: Skin. <laughs> Skin. The base.
1: And your ego and, and your identity and what your family gave you and what your friends yep. reflect back to you. It's exhausting. Yeah. And then when you do, I, I have to assume, especially the type of music you do, which is, which is thoughtful, I would say. You know, it's not like, I, what I mean is it's not just pop right, dance right, music, right. is that you can kind of escape into it. Yeah. And I, I heard you say in an interview that the more personal and more transparent you got, the easier it was to kind of get in that, mm-hmm. to connect with the song.
0: Yeah, that is surprisingly so, because that's not my taste, just if you were to ask, you know, are you into autobiographical, professional right. songwriting? It's like, nah, no, not really, <laughs> you know, but then when I started writing more that way much later in my uh, career, dick fingers again um,
1: <laughs> I, uh, it was We've easier all to learned a great thing today i i think that that's
0: maybe a john stewart thing i'm not dick sure fingers.
1: it's okay it's um, now a david design thing. i'll take it <laughs> so why why all the hate
0: for Is myself
1: it, yeah i, I know, know that's know. a big question how how does it manifest
0: um I don't know. I I really hate my body.
1: You hate like your physical being. Yeah,
0: like my yeah, myself, uh <laughs> in that way.
1: So I, when you look in the mirror in the morning, it's not like go get him tiger. No, it's not
0: great. <laughs> sometimes not I'm pleasantly great. surprised by like that's not so bad. Or sometimes I see a photo and it's like, well, that one worked out okay. <laughs> like, I can live with that.
1: That's the angle. Yeah. But, but a I lot of times achieve. I think
0: like... Nuh. But again, why Why care? You know, yeah. some people, you know... I've got it relatively good. You know, I, I was in a... You just tons of examples there was a woman with elephantitis of the arm in a taco shop the other day and it was just like I am an asshole for feeling so bad
1: but the problem is and we've been saying I've been saying this a lot on the podcast is that everybody's the star of their own movie so you can hear the story of the woman with elephantitis in her arm but like you're stuck you're stuck in your dumb movie yeah and I'm stuck in my dumb movie, yeah. and we we all do that. Yeah. Like we we look at I look at my hairline a lot, yeah. and the fucking bathroom here at Meltdown has one of those unforgiving from above lights that just oh, yeah. makes everyone's hair look way. Wh- like yeah. maybe that's the real light. I don't know, but it always makes me look like <laughs> oh, I'm a fully bald person, and, which I'm not. But those lights, yeah, and that that'll Are fuck you me up.
0: Losing your hair at all?
1: A li- I mean, a little bit. Yeah, according to that light, I am. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> no, seriously, that light is like. Really, really a bummer to me. But I don't know. Let, let's say the idea of, of not defaulting, I think that's something that you can condition into yourself. Yeah. Are you worried that you'll lose your artistic ability if you love yourself more?
0: No. No, because I haven't always <laughs> felt this much self-loathing. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. Why what, you're holding on to it? Yeah, why it's uh, been such a battle. Um, but also, I, I, I also feel like I'm capable of my best work creatively at this point in time and um you know i have these two kids who i'm really good at being their dad or relatively good i enjoy it and i don't yeah and you know i judge myself and i think oh you fucked up there and that's you know but it's it's a source of immense joy and meaning and you know there are a ton of obstacles when i'm home to allocating time for them and so there's a lot of source a lot more sources of meaning and joy and and satisfaction than i've probably ever had in my life right but here we are you know i just feel
1: star of your own movie yeah apparently (laughs) and your kids are the star of their own movie yeah and it's a kid's movie
0: they're great yeah their their movie is dope (laughs) zip lines and
1: no way yeah so yeah that's got to be great what where what did you make me think of Sorry, I'm just listening, and then I'm forgetting. It doesn't it's matter. Okay. You're talking about uh, self-loathing, why you hold on to it, and then your kids, and you're being a good parent, you should have all this happiness. I don't know. I had a follow-up.
0: It's all right.
1: I'm not going to beat myself up about it. You shouldn't. It. But I don't have a problem with self-love. I, I'm, I'm good at it. You're good at it? But then that sounds like a real dick thing to say.
0: No, It doesn't. It-
1: I think that's the key. But I mean to I'm not going to force Jesus up here, but because I know you're 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 down down with the crown. Sure. <laughs> That's never been said. No. He says, love the Lord your God as as you love yourself. Or love your neighbor as you as love yourself. yourself. I'm yeah. sorry. So I, I just think the loving yourself is such a huge part of that. And I would say loving God in my own new agey way is a big part of that too. Yeah. Seeing the divinity in you and seeing the divinity in me. And the, and maybe that word is a is a touch, touchy word for you. I just mean seeing the everlasting mystery yeah. in everybody. It doesn't have to be.
0: I think all that stuff too to a certain degree or just the sacredness of um – I don't know how I would describe it. I think that, that I want peace and dignity for everybody. And I, you know, I, empathy is a, re, is a really big deal to me and trying to, cause I feel like good emerges gradually over time, culturally, you know, if you look back historically and so, you know, us treating each other better and better all the time and seeing each other as more and more connected. Mm-hmm. The, um, I think it just helps with all that stuff. So I've, I agree in some ways. and So I don't know why there's a disconnect there. Um, mm-hmm. I,
1: I was going to say – oh, I remembered it, mm-hmm. by the way. That anxious feeling, that disconnect, and, and that self-loathing that I have as well. Mine uh, manifests more as an exhaustion. Like I'm so tired of being this oh. person. Even though, as you started to say, we're living the dream to, to a, yeah, by a absolutely. lot of people's standards. And I really believe that I am. I truly believe that I am. But I still, I mean, have those moments where I'm like, ugh. Ah,
0: fuck yeah this
1: this arm again like i'm right. washing it yeah. this one this is- it's every day <laughs> it's like that weariness you see on old people they're just like yeah. i was just watching american movie and there's that really old guy bill uh, uncle bill in the movie he's just so fucking old yeah and they show him at thanksgiving and it's just not stirring to him
0: right and he's more. over it he's
1: been over it yeah. the past 10 thanksgivings so sometimes i feel about that just way about like being like eating and sleeping and, and i'm gonna talk to to you yeah and i'll even go further and be like what am i gonna see things and sense things and hear things and right. touch things and taste things yeah fuck this shit yeah <laughs> like it's just all the same ingredients
0: it is and yet that's the thing that keeps it all moving forward is that consciousness is this magic trick that we all get to i mean it's like the moonwalk you know it's like what how how's that <laughs> that's, it's I magical mean,
1: yeah and we keep it going is what you mean well, like it our- keeps
0: us going i mean it's this thing that like unless we're unless you end up suicidal or something like that like right it com- we're all still compelled to sort of do this and move forward right and it, we crave it or we you know so that yeah i don't know
1: I, I would this is the other thing I put to you, and I wonder if this is true for you is. That general uh, off-puttedness for Mm -hmm. me with just general existence sometimes and you with yourself sometimes is salved, 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 calmed, soothed, Mm -hmm. comforted, healed, redeemed by performing.
0: I I, I think so.
1: That's what's fucking insane is when I see somebody uh, in my family or something that is sad and I, I can't just tell them, write a new bit and do a show
0: ah what do you what do we do well no and that's some somebody suggested to me because i you know i drive like fifty thousand miles a year i drive a lot and i get i'm pretty obsessed with like left lane uh, ethics and politics <laughs> and uh, i was with my manager in his hometown the other day and uh, i was like this fucking asshole like the, to this guy that was just bogarting in in like the most egregious way bogarting me means- the left lane like he was just like he had no business being in the left lane. He wasn't <laughs> passing anybody. Or he was like going. How many lanes
1: were we working with? Two. 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 Felt down. like a two story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, and my manager says, you know, he doesn't get to write songs for a living and yeah. go around and, you know, have people adore him. And clap before you've 75. done anything. Yeah, exactly.
1: David's here. That's right.
0: And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good this point. This
1: podcast should be called Two Assholes.
0: <laughs> So I gave him 10 more seconds of leeway, and then I was like, all right, now this guy really is a fucking asshole. I don't care what kind of shitty life he has, he would feel better if he was you know, more considerate of other folks.
1: Yeah. And, but also to your manager's point, he would feel better if like, if, there is something about the creative process oh, it's amazing. and being heard and expressing yourself and connecting. Yeah. It really is a way to, we talk about fucking and sex. It, it's a way to have sex with existence a little bit. Yeah. It's your way to participate. Well, and it's a great anxiety. It's better than Xanax
0: that the idea of being heard having a voice that you can you know as a comic and you know a big part of my music is definitely sort of my outlook on on life and um so yeah in expressing that and i have a lot of i have a lot of leeway i can say a lot of stuff and I'm people here and or, you know nod their heads or think yeah. oh that's cool and so yeah that is a profound thing and when you don't have that when you feel voiceless well and that's part of our job as you know artists or performers or whatever is that you know you're making you're helping people feel less lonely and, and less crazy yeah. by doing that work and so it, it's it's beneficial in all those ways I get to say what is important to me symbiotic and there are people that I'm speaking for as well. That's right. Um,
1: What I just heard you saying, though, the reason I wrote is you made me think of... um another similarity I think we have in our journey is you were in uh, Pedro the Lion, which was a Christian indie band. I don't know if that makes you cringe to call it a Christian band.
0: No. Uh, we can talk about the, the semantics of that, but keep... keep we going. can. Yeah. But
1: for, for you know, brevity's sake, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. And then, uh, you know, you'd play a Christian festival, or, or it would have a Christian fan base, at least mm-hmm. partially. And then uh, now, saying whatever you want. Like, I watched this interview, you probably know the one I, I watched. there on YouTube. And the guy was like, that line uh, could be considered blasphemous. And I was like, Really? (laughs) Suggesting that the Garden of Eden isn't a literal story is blasphemy? It's like, then put me on the blasphemy bus. Like, I got to be on the blasphemy bus because that other bus is fucking boring as hell. So now I wonder if you feel like you're in this great experience talking about this voice and this audience that followed you through Mm -hmm. this transition. Not only that, but here's a guy, me, literally Mm -hmm. in front of you going, oh, that reflects my own. Yep. Now I'm on – like. I feel that way in this podcast. If you listen to the beginning and if you listen to it now, you'll hear like a pretty standard Christian guy transformed into whatever the fuck I hey, am is now. Is that right
0: early in this in this podcast? I only yeah. got about halfway.
1: If you listen to the early 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 ones, I was never like religious, but I was sure. not ready to say like no the, virgin birth, no physical death and resurrection, you know what I mean?
0: That's really fascinating. I'm
1: really weird. I'm so but then people followed me, and people followed you. Is what I was saying. Yeah, that has to be satisfying. I,
0: w- I mean, I already today as I was as I was coming down from Fresno decided like. Today, I'm after this, I'm going to drive up to Sacramento because I've got to play in Oregon tomorrow. Um, and I'm just going to listen to your... I'm probably going to listen to all of them. Like I, you know, I, A couple years ago, I got on like a, a Marin-obsessed kick, and I yeah, just listened too. to it constantly. Yeah, And I don't dislike it now, but I, I, I don't have that same like ad- I don't know what, addicted feeling.
1: I don't know what left me either. I was really addicted to it. For, and it has nothing to do with the show. Mark will never hear this, but if he did, it has nothing to do with the show. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm moving and, on.
0: And I still dip back in uh, from time to time. I was listening to the Vince Vaughn on uh yeah. live one last night as, oh, I was, cool. as I was driving there you go. but yeah so I'm excited to to listen cuz I'm I, I'm really interested in, in people's arc and what causes somebody to hold on to certain things that you know historically or we grew up with or whatever and then what it is the straw that breaks the camel's back that causes people to kind of shed that yeah. and so I'm curious and I love listening for little cues and the little language like my manager didn't grow up christian and you know we're really close, and we deal with a lot of stuff day to day. And so there's a lot of people reaching out to us via email and whatever that are coming from all kinds of different places in the industry and viewpoints and stuff. Yeah. And um, so every now and again, my manager Bob will send me uh, an email and be like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And and I'll write back and be like, uh, "I don't know about this." Um, coincidentally, um, this guy's a Christian. And, and Bob Bob's is. No no oh. the, the guy writing the, the email and Bob oh. and Bob goes, Really? How do you how do you know? And I said he at the end he says, I'm just trying to connect these two men, brother, and then signed yeah. off or whatever. And yeah. I was like, That's that's Christian <laughs> lingo, like that's the way that Christians talk about stuff, and he's like, Oh my god, you gotta tell me you know, some some guy yeah. signed like in his grip. Yeah, comma, yep. and then sign his name. In his and grip's a classic. It's amazing, <laughs> and, and, but but the, he has no idea. And so, right. li- the point being, listening back through your your podcast and hearing that shift, you never. I might not hear it like directly, right. Right. but you just hear it in little little bits. And in-
1: I was just thinking about that the other day because uh, I, I, it doesn't matter how it came up, but I was thinking about how Scientologists must have. A vocabulary. Oh my God. I know they do because I, w- I was asking a friend of mine to come on the show who is a Scientologist and I didn't know, do you say Scientologist? Do you say Church of Scientology? Are, you're in the church. Mm-hmm. I know they call L. Ron Hubbard L.R.H. Mm-hmm. C-O-S, church of Scientology. But I didn't know, like, I, I personally get offended when people are like, so would you consider yourself a Christian? You right. know what I mean like that? So I don't know what every religion like Mormons aren't Mormons they're Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints yeah. You know what I mean? Like so there's something like that for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting that you're picking up on those cues. But you and I, sorry.
0: It's my favorite thing to to pick up on. It's like a secret <laughs> language that I still know and understand. It's a, it's right. an area of expertise in a way that right. you know you pick it up and you're looking around. Is anybody else you know hearing this same? It's the dog whistle. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 And there are a lot of us that are hearing it. Well, I think you'll be interested because uh, based on um, uh, your your uh, music, mm-hmm. we had a similar straw. And then what's happened though since then with Rob Bell? You listen to Rob Bell. You should listen to Science Mike. There's yeah. this episode called Science Mike that's the next one you, you have I'll to listen to, to it. super super great uh, because I went from a guy who was a believer uh, more or less mm-hmm. uh, to a guy who who was not a believer and then now I've become this weird like uh the myth is beautiful sort of weirdo mm-hmm. crazy person <laughs> that is now trying to talk to people not just like you and I have no agenda with you I'm just saying I like encouraging burnt Christians mm-hmm. like myself. To go like, what is it? Like, if you're playing in a house, and if that feels like church, mm-hmm. I'm not saying open it with a prayer or close it with a prayer. No. Fuck that shit. Yeah. But is that what we were
0: trying to alchemize? That's. I mean, that's exactly what my trip is now and will be for the rest of my life, is trying to understand, on one hand, so there's all these phenomenon that I experienced and uh, and saw and heard about and understood, what were those things really? What function were they trying to serve? Were they actually a different phenomenon that were just misunderstood as mm. being something supernatural? You know, and then what what's left? What is the thing that I miss? You know, early on, I missed expressing gratitude through prayer because that was a big part of my life earlier. And right. so try to find ways to kind of incorporate that. And sometimes it takes on a new agey, you know, kind of... Bent, which makes me feel uncomfortable because that's not my taste. But I know I end up going there sometimes, anyways. And, You're talking to the same guy, but so <laughs> and the same thing. With, and to, and to not be embarrassed by the the reverberations that are similar to my past right. belief in Christianity, um, because. There's no reason to be embarrassed about stuff. I'm racked with contradictions. That's, yeah. you know, that's just what it is. That's that's it. That's it. And so just to be to, to be comfortable enough with myself, which is weird because I do on the one hand like I feel I don't feel fully formed. I feel an enormous amount of self-loathing or or what feels like to me an enormous amount. And yet at the same time I'm able to sort of suspend Reserve judgment about certain things that would have made me feel really uncomfortable earlier in my life
1: i can't believe you're saying that that was the big thing for me, and i 've said this before, but I want to say it to you as I was like, I am far more christ like ever since I left the christ yeah. circle yeah like because and this is the example I always give. I had a friend who had an abortion, and like when she told me she had an abortion. I obviously was loving to her. Yeah. But in my mind, the recess of my mind, I'm like, that's a fuck. Like all I thought was like, that's fucked and she's fucked and God is angry and everybody's mad at you. And I'm a little mad at you and all this sort of stuff. And then you get out and you live a little bit and I'm, Glad to say, I've never had to go through that specific thing. Sure, but like I've had some fuck ups in my life, and now I'm on the other side. I've dined with the the horrors and the thieves and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I've been those people, and, uh, and and now I understand so much more. Now I have grace, yeah. true grace, and true understanding. Yeah,
0: and true compassion. Yeah, empathy for for again compassion
1: as opposed to baloney, where I'm like, that sounds hard,
0: or that you're ultimately <laughs> trying to you're just biding your time till you can convert them. You know, the, yeah. the, a big uh, oh god the uh the big kahuna was a movie with um kevin spacey kevin spacey and devito and this guy peter facinelli who i think is a scientologist uh-huh coincidentally you... um but i'm disagreeing with the that's good the question because who, who who gives a shit <laughs> why, why why did i say that
1: oh no i just <laughs> it but it sounded like i was like he is
0: um but i don't know there's a so this movie you know the Peter Facinelli character. I'm probably not even saying his name right, but (laughs) that's what he's offended. (laughs) He's a he's this Christian guy, and they're at a big sales convention, and he somehow connects randomly with the guy who they're all trying to the big account that they're trying to land. Right. And so they're you know the two senior salesmen are saying to Peter Facinelli's character like, look, you got to go meet with this guy. You've got an in with him. No one else has been able to talk to him. No from any other firm. You're the you're the one guy who has his ear, and uh, so he goes and talks to him. But he doesn't talk to him about lubricants that he's supposed to be selling him. He talks to him about Jesus.
1: <laughs> oh, I thought this was going to be a metaphor. It's literally what he does.
0: No, it's literally what he does. He goes and <laughs> and he comes back and Devito in space here like so. Do you talk to him about lubricants? What did he say? What did he say? Is he going is he gonna go with us? And he yeah. said it didn't really come up. And he's like. It didn't come up? What the f- what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, well, we just talked, you know, about life, about whatever. And as a Christian, you know where this is going. Like, right. And you say, oh, we just talked about life or whatever. And Spacey's like, did you talk about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, actually, we did. And he's like... You did, huh? And he's like, yeah, you know, it just kind of came up. And he's like, that that just came up. And so there's this notion when everybody's – when someone's going through a hard time or you're sort of like secretly judging them but you're trying to be good or whatever, there's this thing. And it was the thing that – one of the things that drove me crazy about Christianity is that I always had to have this hidden agenda because – the. Because I was right about everything I was right. right about the the nature of reality and the universe, and these people were just simply wrong and ultimately, it was either a waiting game or I was going to ha- get some nerve and like really go go at it with them but oh, y- God, the ability you would
1: be terrifying witnessing to me <laughs> like i I just wouldn't like it like you have an <laughs> earnestness that would... I would not want to face i on a plane and you just turned to me Ooh, that like, would be terrible. Pete? I, w- I would... I, I never the had the nerve to do that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought would... you got into a nice pocket where you were... I keep picturing it like a knife that <laughs> they don't know you have, and it's the, like, stab them with <laughs> with evangelicalism.
0: No, because I was, I was uncomfortable from the time I was 13 or so. Um, I just saw the the gap between... Christianity, the pure quote, the dick fingers pure form of it. That I, I'm gonna stop saying that. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, of it that um, that I perceived just reading the Bible and the way that it was practiced mm-hmm. in the culture that I that I grew up in. And so, I never felt at ease. Like there was never this uh, moment when everything just kind of came into focus and I was just fully like on fire. On fire. <laughs> I was on fire in like a in a in a in the way that I was seeing all this opportunity for reform and was really interested in chasing in, down the pure form of Christianity. In, you mean in the church? In the, within the church, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so, but where, where it started was, you know, in seventh or eighth grade, seventh grade, I, I think I saw there's maybe, there's a book that I think is called The Light and the Glory, and it was one of these first Christian revisionist U.S. American histories where, you know, christian founding fathers and Mm -hmm. you know we veered away from that and all this stuff and i remember reading the back of that book in seventh grade and i was a christian i grew up going to christian school like learned u.s history from christian people from christian textbooks and i remember reading the back of that book and i thought this is not right like this is manipulative like this is just it's just two clicks off from the truth Mm -hmm. and it just felt icky to me right and then in that context fourth of july came up and we had this you know uh, service at church where there was a color guard in there and there was, you know, uh, it, it was very patriotic. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I was talking about this recently uh, someplace, but, and it just dawned on me that that, it was a big moment for me where I started to have a, a, the sense that like, oh, all these grownups are a little confused mm. about reality. Right. <laughs> they're, they're getting this wrong. And I remember telling my dad that, you know, who was the music pastor who was leading all these patriotic songs. Mm. I said, I think you're getting these two things confused, nationality and faith. I don't think they they don't belong together. They're not the right. same. You know, and, and it was from then on that I kind of. What did he say? He said. A one, two, three, four, yeah. shine, Jesus shine. <laughs> He said, interesting, tell me more. Oh, really? Yeah, because, um, you know, I only had that impulse anyways because they were such interesting, thoughtful people. Your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so uh but yeah, so no, there was never there was never a moment where I was just like the good killing it. The good Christian. I mean I did I did, you know, coerce I think probably two people into saying the Lord's Prayer at, at a certain point and I felt pretty icky I, uh, afterwards. I,
1: I still I have one friend, uh he knows who he is. I, he doesn't listen to this show, but that I like straight up saved. Yeah. And then like he ended up it's so weird. He, <laughs> we both married like the first girl we'd ever been mm-hmm. with. Then I got divorced, and then uh, and now I'm out philandering mm-hmm. and then he's like what was all that <laughs> like what was that? what was yeah. all that about like
0: you, you got me into this
1: and now you're bailed <laughs> i might be he's never said that to yeah. me but i've hypothesized i'm like i wonder if he feels that way uh but i i, I can't say for sure right but th- there is a feeling where it's like yeah sorry like i was pretending yeah. at that campground yeah. that i knew the secrets of the universe right but what really struck me about what you're saying was that realization that grown-ups are just large children yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i saw them as greek gods yeah. i saw them as uh you know christian gods i was yeah. like this guy said this why would he lie to me he's yeah. he has a belt you know yeah. what i mean yeah, he does. and now na- and now i look and I-, I am the age of my youth pastor yeah. what the fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah that I- guy was showing up every wednesday with with the answers and I, I'm terrified.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you? I mean, he just never, th- you know, especially at that time in Christian culture, or whatever, it would have been more normal to just get to adulthood and never think twice, never attempt to look behind right. the curtain, right? You know, in any way,
1: because that's the mythology you're living in, yep. and that's just what you have, and yep. you move forward. Why? Why look? Yeah. Even even my parents, who were pretty big believers, if you push them, you get down to a like. Just you're better with it than without it. Yeah, that's that's what's at the core of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's that Pascal's wager thing, and I I, I am I sympathize with that, but I I can't go there myself because I think that the that the the God who is the object of that of that little thought experiment is just a bastard, and right. like, Why? It, and I just re- reject the notion that that's what could exist, right? You know, ultimately, and so um, it's a strange
1: world. Yeah. Well, you're you a lot of your lyrics do touch upon like setting up the game in this way you're like well you're a motherfucker right you know what i mean like and i know you listened to the rob bell episode and people knew that this was going to come up at some point that's when rob kind of set me free a little bit first of all i had just kind of divorced myself from all of it and been like this just isn't interesting to me yeah and then when i read rob uh, when i read love wins i was like oh he's also saying that god sounds like a real yeah I think – I don't want to put words in Rob's mouth, but I think I've heard Rob swear, like, yeah. saying something like, uh, that God is a jerk, yeah. but using some sort of word like <laughs> – and, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a, a pastor-author guy who is also saying the same thing. Then I give it to my religious mother, and she's like, I love it. I never had something that addressed – the bully, yeah, the bully guy, yeah, the guy with the rope, yeah, who wants to see you do these things, yeah, and then he'll let you in to this thing, yeah, which is which is a crazy notion,
0: it, it is. And I, I just, yeah, I, I, it, it was such a pleasure to get to reject that at a certain <laughs> point. I mean, it, it really was freeing and the the that passes all understanding and all yeah. this, you know, because, because, because. It, the idea is really—it's this institution that is sort of, you know, caving in on us culturally. That you know, there is a transcendent reality that that exists. I don't know what it is, but it exists, and you can't threaten it. You, we can't. Yeah, we rarely can even kind of glimpse it for for a moment. Well, and you're the, worried about hurting its feelings. Well, I there was <laughs> or we a, were we were but. All we were hurting was this, um, oh, there's a dog in there. There's a dog in there the whole time. I love that. (laughs) People look at these institutions that exist, and they think that that is the transcendent reality, or that that corresponds directly to that transcendent reality. And so when you threaten that institution, people get all freaked out. But when you tear it down, and then the transcendent reality is, it just is still there. Yeah. There's no... You know, you've you've upset some power structures. Some people are out of a job. Right. You know, there's some people whose identity works a little differently than it did. Right. But you you haven't marred transcendent reality. It's how still, could you? It, it could you couldn't? <laughs> how could you you? could you? you know, and so that's it. Listening to that Rob Bell episode, you know, there's part of it that I think I differ from him in that I think that Friday, the way that he described, like fr- you know, the negative pointing out the problems with the world, sort of tearing down the barn. The Friday story, which you were talking about—the Eminem song and these oh, yeah. Jay Z song—to um, me, when you do Friday, you don't have to do Sunday. That—that Fr- that when you tear down the bad stuff, the good stuff just is what's left, mm. and it's not a secret. It's not a mantra that has that you have to learn and access. It just is what is left. It's consciousness. Mm. It's. The desire for justice that is still there—that's what deconstruction comes from—and so I don't feel like you have to. I think that when you get all of that other stuff out of the way by doing the work of the of Friday, as he as he described it, and deconstructing all those things that are keeping people from just experiencing f- free thought and and from experiencing life outside of tribal identities, then it just it supplies itself. Then mm. that transcendent reality just is, and you don't have to, and you can, on Sunday, you can sort of point to it and say, but to me, that's the question, is like once you tear down all the stuff that you that you know is going wrong, I don't really have an answer after that. I mm. just know that that's the job, and so then maybe we all get together and we point to, we just say, what is then? Mm-hmm. You know, what is there? And so to me, that's, I that's, most interesting to me. I don't. There, there isn't. So I don't know if there's a you know if there's a god or whatever. But I was listening. I was just listening to the Rob Bell uh, mm. interview today, and um, I, I, you know, I care what happens with evangelical Christianity, and I'm so happy that he exists because he's really pushing a pretty uptight bunch of people you know, in a in a good direction. I think.
1: <laughs> I agree, and to see uh, like to bring the, those types of discussions that would normally be reserved for. Bible study's over. Uh-huh. You and I stay quietly and quietly yeah. discuss doubt, yeah. fear, anxiety, anger. Uh, just the the radical notion that you're like, oh, that that type of God seems like not my not my type of God. Yeah. That doesn't. I'm seem not right. attracted to that. That doesn't you know. attract me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, basically, well, and so theoretically, that that the God that exists in the Bible and in Christianity is worthy of our praise is is you know it, it is is going to be attractive to us. Right. Oh, that's right. You know.
1: That was one of the – when we talk about – I believe it, the big word is anthropomorphizing God. Uh-huh. Talking about like uh, God-like – like I remember being young and going, God likes when we sing to him. <laughs> so or he's he, a jealous God. Like
0: or that. that he's
1: jealous. Or that he's upset when I jerk off. Couldn't Like be. I was just like –
0: he maybe How? thinks it's funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is the that's the trip to use yeah. your word. I totally stole that word, but that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's got to be the response. It's my response yeah. when I look back on my own life. Yeah. The, now, almost this like future god of my fourteen year old self. I think it's hilarious because yeah. I know my circumstances. I oh, know yeah. my body's chemistry. Yeah, of course I was jerking off four times a day. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. I don't look back and go, "Look at that evil, that evil shit." No, well,
0: I was. Why would back, he? I was looking back, or she. And, or she. <laughs> well, that's an excellent point. I was looking back and thinking, "Poor son of a bitch, JC Penny." Like, is that that's. That's what you got? Like, you don't have anything else that you can use? Just the bra catalog. I was a Sears man. Yeah. (laughs) Sears Sears is great. I told my mother
1: to throw them away because they were causing me to stumble.
0: That's Christian language. If you get a
1: letter that says, causing me to stumble.
0: Every now and again, the photo editor missed... Like the shadow of a nipple. Ah, God, love them. And it broke that... my fucking mind when yeah. I was twelve or thirteen. It just was so epic.
1: I oh God, the idea that nipples were behind all those clothes. Oh, there was a movie I saw once where a woman. She wasn't even like that attractive or anything. She just was telling a group of men to grab their nipples, and she grabbed her nipples over her clothes. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, no, that's as that's good as a a sexual good.
0: fantasy yeah. for the rest of absolutely. My life.
1: But that, that goes to the straw that broke the camel's back thing was for me, as I think it was for you, at least that's how you felt when you were writing some of these tunes, was uh, was hell, was that, that idea of hell. That's what made Rob's book a relief to me. Yeah. When we can – I don't care how you get away from that thought, but it is helpful. It is helpful. Because I, I remember my brother who never believed like I believed. He was a little bit older and he just kind of like dodged it a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, and he would ask me like so a tibetan monk falls into a crevasse and goes to hell and i i would have to be like well i mean uh, you know the heavens declare the glory of the lord so i'd like to think <laughs> that uh, that uh, jesus presented to him in you know, meditation or something but i mean like he would find a way to make me admit that that was that that wa- that he was burning forever in a yeah. conscious living torment and i would get so angry yeah because he was Prodding it a, a very sensitive thing for me, yeah. and I was like, all of the good stuff: yeah. peace, patience, kindness, great gratefulness, gratitude, yeah. abundance, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Abundance—that was a weird one. But what I just mean, like love and, and joy and yeah. all that, and kindness and compassion. The fruit of the Spirit. All fruit that. of the Spirit yeah. is is all this great stuff. But I had it in the same grocery cart as this pulsing tumor yeah. that had a face and is vomiting on my carrots. Yeah. And I'm like, those were the peace carrots. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then my brother would go, yeah, that's a great religion. What's that thing there? And yeah. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know what to do. They gave me all these groceries and they had this vomit tumor, baby. Fucking the whole thing up yeah and that was just
0: handed to you, that and it was, was a just, part of the
1: tradition just that was handed given to, us. to you yeah. the whole thing. you sign on a line and you get the whole thing
0: well, but so that's that was one of the things that I was kind of was pushing against, and to a certain degree still am even though I reject pretty much everything in the cart <laughs> every <laughs> generation before us has improvised the biblical tradition just a little bit based on where they were in history and what kind of things were going on. Hmm. And they reinterpreted it a little bit again and again. And within Judaism, there's a rich tradition of pushing back and, you know, all this stuff. But to me, I just think, you know, on the one hand, when I stopped being Christian, I thought that's it, I'm done. And I wasn't done. I don't believe, but I still, now I have this value. Like I, I came up through this biblical tradition that has, is ancient and has taken many many forms over the millennia
1: you reminded me of a Eugene Merman joke he goes the Bible is a lie if it makes you feel any better it's a really old lie <laughs> <laughs> not a great joke it's amazing <laughs> well and so so the biblical tradition that you inherited and you had and you weren't done with it i I said I so that.
0: there's a sense in which i'm i'm I still am compelled to do the biblical tradition but I'm just going to do it in the way that to take Eugene merman's point. I don't believe that it is a divine product, mm. or that it it has the the keys to the universe in it, in terms of to speak to me. But it is a record of ancient peoples grappling with these things that we're still grappling with, and it is the the subtext of Western civilization. Right. And so, how could it not be? helpful to understand I mean for me it's this long exit interview and we were kind of we were hinting at this earlier but where I'm curious what is this what you know I I don't believe it is what I thought it was but what is it now and what value does it have for my life the story of King David and Bathsheba and then the prophet Nathan coming to him and saying there's this very rich man who has all these sheep and there was a very poor farmer who had one sheep and the very rich man saw the one sheep and he wanted that sheep so he killed the farmer took the sheep. And David says, God, this guy is terrible. We have to find him and kill him. And Nathan says, you're the man. You're the one. Hmm. You took Bathsheba from this guy. You had him killed. And that's a that's a story about abuse of power that resonates as much now as it ever did.
1: Yeah, that was a good story. I don't believe One sheep came in, I was like, "This is a bad story." <laughs>
0: it could have gotten harder. I, <laughs> I mean, he's fucking the sheep. Too. <laughs> yeah, Bathsheba. That's Sheba. how I'm reading. They did it <laughs> <in> sheep style. <laughs> <laughs> Bathsheba. <laughs> 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 yes. No, that's right. And so, to me, I, I'm not. I'm not any less. Anytime I, you know, I'm listening to this talk with you and Rob Bell, and I am. In my mind, I wish, you know I, I wish, I'm pushing back. I'm thinking I disagree with this. I disagree with that. But it's the conversation that I'm interested in mm-hmm. more than any other conversation because it's just in my psyche. This world, these 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 ideas. But I just am orientated toward them differently yeah. than than I was. And so, but that is the question. When I'm standing there, you're saying you know, ten years ago, if you said you're doing these house shows, isn't that a lot like church? a Bible study, my skin would crawl and I would just, like, I would cave in. Just like your brother pushing at you about hell. I would feel embarrassed. And now I think, oh, that's fucking interesting. Like, it is. I wonder what part of that is a good thing? What part of but that is a bad thing? When I
1: do a stand-up show and I meet the people afterwards, I'm not saying I'm like a pastor figure, but I like shaking hands on the way out. That's a church thing. You, stay, you stand I'm on the way seeing out. seeing the flock. Yeah. I want, I don't, uh, please people listening and especially the p- great people that come to shows, I don't look at them as something different. That's why I want to see You're them. You're just wanting to interact. I interact. Yeah. There's hugs. It's yeah. Every other person's a hug. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that makes me feel connected to them. And that's like a churchy type thing. Yeah.
0: And their their investment in that sort of stuff. So, but you don't have authority – different than churches that – TJ not, would say I'm not lying to them. Well, and I don't <laughs> – you know, to be fair, I don't know how many pastors perceive themselves to be lying right. to them. But they are exercising authority over them that I mm-hmm. think is sort of, in a lot of cases, not – not totally warranted or is an abuse of power i agree you know know how many churches there are do you know how many knuckleheads i went to school with that all
1: have churches now we can shit on some pastors (laughs) absolutely i mean
0: there's just there's just some people who are net negatives you know in in they they can be net positives i think if they right reorient themselves but i have a buddy who is a philosophy professor at gordon college i've played gordon college no way Um, in the chapel no, I didn't. I played in the like cafeteria auditorium thing in, Gillies? Like, in, probably. Yeah. Um and then I played in a in a classroom. Um and then they wanted me to he wanted you me played to in come back. 237, I bet. It's I like did. auditorium
1: seating. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. where my improv team
0: used to rehearse. <laughs> so, this guy wanted me back and the, the 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 president put a kibosh on it. They've got wind of what the content of my songs were and yeah. they wouldn't let me come. And there was this kind of up, you know, so i I've been there. I know that, you know, I went to Bible school <laughs> myself. Blashed. I, you know, the, the, you, you were talking about applying to Wheaton and how Rob Bell went there. Yeah, Wheaton has asked me to play over the years. And my booking agent who also, I think he would still be considered a Christian. Um, he would consider himself a Christian. We reached out to Wheaton and said, okay, we would love for Bazan to come there, but let's give you some sample lyrics to To see, he can refrain from swearing in between songs on stage, from blaspheming, or being very sacrilegious in between songs. But these are the songs that right. he's going to sing, and those that won't change. So he gave them the lyrics, and they looked them over and respectfully said, "Thank you for giving us these. We can't have them play." Was it when you called God medieval? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there's tons. I mean, there's. T- but even in Pedro the Lion, that's where. To me, the the project that I'm doing now was the same project I've been doing the whole time. I just crossed an arbitrary cultural line mm, along the way that I perceived to be meaningful at some point, too. But, you know... On a Pedro the Line record called Achilles' heel, which was this. This particular song was greatly influenced by the, the the movie The Big Kahuna, which I would recommend to anybody.
1: I've never wanted to watch it. I'm going to watch it.
0: It's so fucking. Because of the silly poster. Yeah. No, it looks dumb. It, it looks dumb by the poster, and it's a play made into a movie, so it really does feel like a play. Um,
1: That's just she's just telling me how long we've been going.
0: Oh, cool. That's that was the light. Um, but
1: it, it doesn't mean we have to wrap up. Cool. cool. Well, you, you, you... Yeah, no, no. I'm... It, I, I'm you know, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, but... Uh, there was a, it's Achilles' heel.
0: Yeah, there's a song called Foregone Conclusions in which I, you know, have the Holy Spirit telling somebody who's trying to witness to somebody tell them to shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know, in the song. And that, you know, caused a lot of people mm. problems. I was... I would still have said, yes, I'm a Christian mm-hmm. when that happened. I still believed... In the thing that is called the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a sense in which it wasn't Christian in the sense that I was sloganizing or it wasn't propaganda at all. It was genuinely probing the issues of Christianity in as open-ended a way as possible and not wrapping it up neatly by the end and being like, okay, enough fun and games. Right, right, right. Jesus is Lord. Right. You know, hallelujah. Like Eminem at the end of a lot of songs because I'm just kidding. Right. (laughs) Which I think is so funny. That's pretty weird.
1: <laughs> so, so one thing that you said that was just very interesting to me, just selfishly, I'd like to hear more about this so I can hijack it yeah. and have it in my own intelligence. Please. You said that um, culturally, for thousands of years, everybody has morphed Christianity yeah. to suit us. As someone who is currently doing that, yeah, <laughs> me, I'm interested in, in uh, not to put you on the spot, but examples or just, even just abstractions on, on how that's been done.
0: Well, you know... Uh, Martin Luther with the 95 theses nailed to the Wittenberg door, you know, right. people are taking – well, so how it works – And then the politics
1: that you were talking about?
0: Yep. Yeah. The
1: nationalism and the
0: – Yeah, all that stuff. The way that that, that, the, that current Christians interpret the, the actions of the founding fathers and um, – but it really is as simple as when we're growing up in church, we have – we imagine God a certain way based on the early – information that we get about him mm-hmm. and then throughout grade school junior high high school we're told to reimagine god in this new kind of evolving way based on you know this other information do you feel like god is really mad at you well let me tell you that he loves you think of him more as a father and so we're constantly recasting how we view god mm-hmm. just by every little bit of information that Recasting. It, i've done it we do it constantly. I do it constantly. It's the, but it's not wrong. It just is the process He was of... the
1: Burger King king for a while. Is that right? He was. <laughs> <laughs> like the, weir- the weird scary one that is in the... The scary one. Wow. With the unmoving face.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that That is a horror show, that, that Burger king.
1: Oh, yeah. If that was in my house, I would shoot it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so to me, I just think, why not read Job and think your thoughts about it? You don't have to come to the conclusion that you think you're supposed to when God says, you know... How dare you, you know, say these things to me? Don't you know who I am? I created everything. Blah blah blah. A lot. Some people's response is like, "What a fucking jerk!" Right? Like, you know, you just smited this guy's whole family a, a, a few times over and put him in all this pain and stuff. Like, chill out, you know. And right. why not respond to it that way? Why? Why must you be like, oh?
1: Why do you have to put your lens on it?
0: Yeah. Or to me, I think that you. K- your lens is just the lens that you ought to bring to it or or you can't help but bring your own lens to it. And so let's just identify that that's what's happening. That's great. Rather than pretend like, Oh, well this is how it's always been interpreted or understood or whatever. And so I don't know. So I'm, I'm still interested in, in doing all that, that work, but you know, day to day, I just think it's a, it's a, this natural phenomenon. I'm not like a hardcore materialist as, as, you know, this all begins with consciousness somehow, mm-hmm. where it goes from there. I don't, I don't know what the answer to that right. is. I don't know if there is a God or not. I, I really long that for there to be a God.
1: Right. Um, Can I, Oh, just today. So I was trying to get in a God mood. <laughs> you were trying, trying to, to get into it, trying to get in a God mood. So I was watching those interviews with you. And then I started watching some Joey cams, Joseph Campbell. And uh, there was only one thing on iTunes because I didn't want to get up and look for the DVD. <laughs> and when you uh, when you read or
0: watch Joseph Campbell's stuff, does that put you in more of a God mood or more of less a of a God mood.
1: God mood? More of a God mood, I because would say.
0: He's not – is he being pro
1: – You know, he never comes out and says it. My, You know, I could be more diligent and read more of his books and stuff Mm -hmm. and probably get a very clear answer on what he thinks. I think he believes in, as his series is called, The Power of Myth. I think he thinks myths are important. But he says, and I wrote on a post-it. I like putting post-its up around my house and say things. It says, God is a metaphor for, like, the unfathomable – Yeah truths and mysteries of the human experience uh it, only putting it in terms that we can understand that's out completely outside of us and then he goes including the realms of being and non-being, right? right. Like, like, we're in a re- state of being. Yeah. It's also true in the state of non-being, which we could never understand. So it's this thing, and when we say God, we're just putting it in this thing. The same yeah. that you would being, like, it's a deer. A deer, or or on the back of a tortoise, or whatever it is, we're just putting the mystery in something mm-hmm. so we can have a vocabulary. Yeah. And at some point, I think that's though, helpful. I do. I, w- I was going to ask you this, but just because that makes me go, me today— and we do have Christian listeners that are probably interested in your answer on this. But I'm not I'm not putting you on the spot. Oh, I'm whatever. just telling you what – I just fire at you. <laughs> but I was doing it to myself. So I'm watching Joey Cam's and I'm like – and they had a picture of Jesus on the donkey coming back to Jerusalem and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, do I believe that really happened? Because I'm really quick to go – we need to die to ourselves and resurrect to our true uh, divinity. Uh We we need to, the virgin birth is, there needs to be a non-sexual rebirth of ourselves. Uh All that sort of stuff. Um, Or I think Joey Camps points out, the promised land isn't geography. It's not a land of milk and honey. We're all fighting over this square footage. But it's it's a metaphor for like, we all need to take this journey. Christ needs to go into the desert for 30, 40, 40 days. days. Buddha needs to go into the woods for 40 days. Uh, uh, the, the knight, um, who's the famous knight? Uh, it doesn't matter. One of the famous knights. Not Gawain. Gawain? Gawain? Mm-hmm. Not that one. But like one of a famous... He needs to go into the woods and also face these demons and come out like a champion, or yeah. a, a transformed person. So do I think any of those things happen? I'm real easygoing. Moses never took those people through the desert for 40 years. That's like, Or the thing that I think is preposterous is one of my questions for you was, who believes in the Adam and Eve story being literal, like the opening track. Who does? Apparently some people do. Some people do. And I know some people do. But I'm so past that. What the fuck are you talking about? Not not to mention the number of ways you could interpret that story. Our our Jewish friends share that story. They don't interpret that as sin entering the world in that moment. That's when the Nephilim do the raping. That's when sin enters the world. So we just have a uh, Christian way of interpreting that. But uh, it did make me question, do I think Christ wrote in on a donkey with palm branches coming. Did he die? Did he live?
0: Did he get resurrected? And-
1: all that stuff. So here's, let's say it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. None of it happened. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the writers of the gospels that we kept. Right. <laughs> with all no, my snarkiness. The ones, right. the ones that we kept. Well, that's Thanks, a real Nicaea. thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's, it is a real thing yeah. that I can't stop thinking about we it, got together and decided which ones were there
0: it would be so helpful I think that there'll be a, this conversation in 30 years it will be a much more common part of our understanding how that whole process it's been a hidden thing Christianity has been hidden. hasn't sought that out because like you know you said and I've said it before too everybody said it you know the God said it I, I believe it uh, that does it that, Yeah. oh my dick just went in my body <laughs> It's like the opposite of of arousal. Well, so that's you know, but so that has caused people to not be curious at all about the origin of this thing because they just think it doesn't matter. When in fact, it really is an important right thing to understand the process of if you're really interested in this system of of belief. In. So, for
1: those of you who don't know, it's the idea that uh, I, I have the dates written down somewhere because I was like, I just want to memorize these dates, yeah. but I don't have them memorized. But suffice it to say. 150 to 300 years after Christ dies, uh, Constantine, I believe, mm-hmm. declares Christianity the official religion. And then shortly after that, or maybe shortly meaning possibly hundreds of years after uh-huh. that, is the Council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. where scholars and stuff get to – I'm assuming scholars, but like a scholar by that time. Well, that's the thing is I, yeah. you don't – you Got have to take a Bible.
0: college course to – to find out this information. And it's something that like uh, one of the things I'm listening to driving around is this Bart Ehrman course on early Christianities. And it's theoretically, I think leading up to the council of Nicaea, because mm. I'm just, I'm just curious about how you it works. Should be, <laughs> and I'm fascinated. And I know that that won't be the end all hearing about it this one time that you just like any, anything, you have to hear it from different perspectives and you know, the back and forth and the push and pull of the whole thing. Right. But, but yeah, the, you know, so the gospels that we kept, Right. Yeah.
1: So we people know every once in a while, a New York Times bestseller will pop up like the Gospel of Thomas or something,
0: right. and everyone will be
1: talking about it for a short time. That that was dropped for a number of reasons. Right. Maybe it had that story where Jesus turns the kids into some goats or something. So Jesus did something violent, or it has uh, Jesus saying that God is in a rock, and then that that isn't in uh, the, the Gospel
0: of Thomas is is very weird. It, but it it represented it, it seemed to be informed by Gnostic sort of uh, presuppositions about the nature of reality and deity and I think that the Council of Nicaea were just not interested at all in any of the Gnostic Mm. kind of notions there's a very very sexist thing that that Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas, too, that is <laughs> basically like to enter the kingdom of heaven, females have to become male. Like that that's how. Really? Yeah, it's really amazing. Yikes. But, see, it's- some were dropped uh, with good reason. <laughs> you know, and, and who knows? But there are also some. They, they, that's the thing about it is these these ideas emerged in bits and pieces orally through. You know they believe that that uh, Matthew and Mark probably—I mean Matthew and Luke probably—you know—took a lot of their stories from Mark, which was an earlier gospel. I think right. I'm getting that right. But the point is, is that it doesn't all have to be 100% in Q, in a hundred percent true. Q. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It doesn't all have to be a hundred percent true. And it doesn't all have to be 100% false. It is an organic thing that emerged. Yeah. Some little bits of it are going to have the ring of truth right. and are actually going to correspond with reality and some others of them are going to be distortions.
1: It is interesting, though, when we look at things like the Bible code being like, if you read every third word of a document that men put together, right. like, what are we talking Like, I would understand we could. And is that not, is that real? I don't I, I don't I, even know. I've heard that and think like, ugh. It People predicts, are... like, uh, major world events. I don't know. There's – I don't Interesting. know. I read which... something that I don't know. And that's, like, the Da Vinci Code? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Or somewhat. But here's my thing and my question to you that we're going to explore together is I have no problem saying Native American uh, folklore myth mm-hmm. is that the buffalo uh, made a pact with man uh, where uh, you do this da- – it ends with – one of the buffalos marries one of the women, and, uh, and then they do this dance in honor of the buffalo that resurrects them, and that's why they're always buffalo. Mm-hmm. So that's, that makes us feel better about uh, killing all these buffalo, because uh-huh. you have to. It's hard, hard to live out in the United sure. States uh, at that time and now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. now, am I right? But anyway, um, people at that time probably just believed that. Yeah. But the writer of that story knew he was right. He was like, I'm writing baloney. I'm right. writing a myth. Did... Matthew who you know was writing long after Christ mm-hmm. was gone he never i don't believe he you know no, met I don't him. Think so. so did he go i'm writing a myth did he go i'm writing the corn myth where the corn dies and there's a
0: man and it's always something
1: inanimate it.
0: fucks a woman that's yeah.
1: every myth yeah. you don't th- you don't think he thought he was writing a baloney's tale
0: I, I i somehow doubt it I, I don't think that i don't know Maybe some of those guys were fudging in some way, but I I don't know. I I feel like when people are – that we're all – most people are doing stuff like this in earnest, Mm. especially if it got adopted. But that doesn't also mean that it's true. It's
1: weird. That's right, yeah. Um, But you don't think there was a guy getting in on the heat like, these Jesus stories
0: are selling like hotcakes. I'm going to write one. (laughs) I don't know, but that's the thing. You know, I've been uh, a a very earnest Christian, or I'm not an earnest Christian now. I'm an earnest... uh, I'm an earnest David. Something. Um, (laughs) I don't know what. But, you know, for 27 years or or 25 years or however you want to, you know, call it, and uh, that was never a part of my education, knowing how those books came to be. Like, we spent a lot of time in Bible college trying to harmonize the Gospels, but it wasn't until years later where I realized the reason why they were doing that is because they are in disharmony. Mm. In very many ways. Mm. Um, And so I don't – my perception is I I guess I would doubt that any of the authors of the Gospels were kind of being deceitful or being uh, manipulative in some way. Although John – I mean I think that John who presents Jesus as a deity maybe more so than the other ones, it can be argued that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't present him as a deity at all or as divine – but you know, they had a point of view that they were trying to to represent, and maybe their idea of scholarship or like reportage or something like that was different than our own standards of it. And so they were taking these oral traditions or things that were metaphorical, right? I I don't know about that stuff, but I I would tend to think that it was an earnest process. I don't know why I think that. That's just that's just what I think. Yeah, and, and it might be overturned by just a little bit of data that I just don't have right now. You know. I'm, yeah. in a week I might be like god damn it why did I say that because right, I was right, just wrong yeah. Right. well we're
1: wrong all the time on this show uh, have you gotten to the point though because I am interested in the shows feeling like church have you gotten to the point where you are Richard Rohr I've, I've said this before had this great point where he finds that he was brought up strictly uh-huh. as was uh, Rob more or less mm-hmm. and uh, and myself more or less and then I'm like I now am grateful to be a mystically inclined spiritual person mm-hmm. who had this weird albeit you know, not altogether true necessarily foundation to then rebel against and then return to in part. Mm -hmm. Do you at all feel that way that you're like, I'm glad I have that vocabulary that I can know these things and it planted in you like a spiritual curiosity?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, And there's a sense in which... I don't know what I've returned to in part. Uh, You know, I... I'm content with with all of it. I, the thing that I was surprised by is that I'm still kind of fascinated by all of it. I can't stop writing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think, I don't know, so yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I would not change a thing. yeah uh, about it. Um, there, you know, there were some painful times, uh, you know, kind of coming to the conclusion that I wasn't a, a believer anymore. As gradually as it was, there were a few moments in that process that were deeply painful. Yeah. Um and made me feel really uh a lot of uh existential kind of pain and grief and um so it, you know that seems like it could have could have been less ne- it, that's less necessary than I you know I could have done without some of that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think that I would be as empathetic as t- t- toward people who who believe as I am if I hadn't had that um because I know how difficult it is to to move away from that or just ha- how desperately we cling to our notions of metaphysical reality because we feel like what it what is going to happen if i let go of this mm-hmm. it's f- fucking disturbing and yeah. really really scary and so in that sense i'm glad to have gone through that but other than that no i'm i feel like i'm evolving and want to I just am interested in the project of unpacking this biblical tradition and this new light that that I see things in, and I can't. Maybe I'll get tired of it at some point, but so far I just yeah I, I can't get enough. You know, if I'm <laughs> if I'm getting sleepy when I drive and I turn on something that's talking about this, I'm engaged. You know? Like it's just, my brain is just like buzzing, and I want to understand. I want to know.
1: Yeah, what what do you think all this is? That, that's another question. We we can heave all of this away. Mm-hmm. What do, what are we doing in these meat puppets and and why are we talking and why does know. it feel good when you tell me you're, you're a good father yeah. <laughs> and like why why I listen I, I don't mean to butter your bread but I love buttering your bread you wrote that song about the the semi jackknifing and it made me cry I was in the car
0: Oh yeah slow uh, car crash
1: Yeah because uh, my my girlfriend was like this uh David did an interview, they were like, Why don't you write lo- love songs? And he was like, I did, I wrote a Slow Car Crash. So she plays it for me, and I just like I'm openly crying in the yeah. middle of the day. So stirred, so co- we're so close too. Just yeah. as I'm really, really close to being furious at people telling me that the comic book store is crowded. Right. I'm also so close to absolute uh connection and move and really feeling connected and yeah. and alive, like a symphony will just I didn't know there were 45 violins in my stomach. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're all playing. And I'm like, ah, this is what it is. You know what I mean? And I then you just agree. want some French fries. And then you just want to jerk off. Or you right. want to watch Expendables 3. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's all the same stuff. So what what is going on? And uh, again, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm not just lobbing that to you.
0: I genuinely don't know. <laughs> and the, one of the pleasures of the my current sort of state of mind or beliefs or whatever is that I get to trip balls at that question (laughs) you know I'm driving in the desert and I and it hits me like what what is this anyways like what is consciousness what is all of this about and then you hear about dark matter and the universe expanding and and you you know you hear about all of this stuff and and I just think I mean I'm at a loss I I just (laughs) I do not know uh, what it is and it's crazy that there's always more isn't that weird there's
1: always more to figure out I've never been like I'd like a new interest or a new topic and just ha- not had any no
0: it's an endless, endless it's world endless. it's an endless world well and so growing up you know the there be, be, be people like that, like me, right now, who say I don't know, and what they're saying is I don't want to know, or I don't think it's possible to know. I don't know if I think it's possible to know or not know. Maybe the word "no" is a strong thing, but I, I think I could be more clear on what I think is going on at some later point in my life, and so I'm interested in finding out as much as I can. Mm. But if I get to, if I get a lot more information, and I still feel ex- exactly, uh, this same way it, it At as much of a loss to 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 know what it is or to guess at what it is as as I am now, that'll be fine too. But I remember, you know, in Christianity, people were saying, "Oh, you know, the answer's right here." You just don't want the answer. You're you're just more comfortable saying, "I don't know." Hmm. And I don't feel that way. I I feel like I genuinely don't know. When somebody says, "Isn't it like? Isn't this what is going on here?" Hmm. and they provide their explanation for things, I think it doesn't compel me no it doesn't seem likely it doesn't seem to explain right the phenomenon that i see uh f- phenomena that i see all around me it, it, it's interesting it coral it correlates to a couple of things and you know good try or whatever or not good try that's condescending but like i don't i didn't think that was condescending i know what you meant <laughs> you know but i'm still you know I still don't know. And, I, and and there isn't like, oh, yeah, that clicks. And now um, I'm going to go with that. But it's, in your gut,
1: there is still – and this is from Rob's book, uh, What We Talk About When We Talk About God, which mm-hmm. is also great. Um, there's a hum. There's something in both of us that it doesn't necessarily – it cheapens it to go, is there a God? Mm-hmm. I like the question, what is this? Mm-hmm. And and But when I ask that question, I get – the sense and that's why I perk up when there's conversations like these Mm -hmm. and that's why songs make me cry Mm -hmm. and that's why uh, I see the church in your performances Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff I'm like this all sews together into something more than what we're just counting science gives us a beautiful as Joseph Campbell says the myth should merge with the science of the time and respect the science of the time and then go through it
0: and they should inform one another
1: exactly We, we can't have the uh, understanding of the cosmos from, you know, thousands of years ago interpreting our existential crisis now. Like we need – in a way, you need the movie Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. And you need Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. You need this show S- Sherlock, which mm-hmm. is a Christ story. It's a genius who doesn't judge mm-hmm. anybody who has a disciple, and then he has the Pharisees, who are the cops. Mm-hmm. That's me and Rob's theory. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But it, that's, that's the retelling of these stories over and over and over. Well,
0: the, the, I think that they're important stories. Um, and, you know, you, you and Rob talked about it a little bit, and I think that the story of Jesus and all that resonates so much because it is disruptive to the kind of current paradigm at the time. It, di- it, it disrupts our notion of what power is and what power looks like. And, um, and I think that that is, you know, metaphor or not, even if it is just a metaphor, I think it's a, an extremely helpful metaphor and a mm. profound metaphor. And I know that Christians who I've talked to recently said, if he didn't raise from the dead physically, everything's off. Right. And what I think is, what I think would, would happen is if they came to that conclusion is that everything would be off for a little while, mm. but then they would see the value of this story that is... Less divine and more, just naturally kind of profound. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's
1: naturally occurring.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> so that you know the the difference between special revelation and natural revelation. You know, Rob Bell talked about it that you know the rain falls on everybody. That's part of common grace. That's part of natural revelation. That's part of this thing. And I think that everything is natural revelation, and it doesn't make it any less sacred. It's just not like this divine, you know. Like special secret message right. that has been encoded purposefully by the divine, so that we're you know that if we interpret everything as natural revelation, we can glean so much more than if we think. Now is this is he trying to tell me something, mm. or he or she or whatever? Um, so when you're saying
1: every moment pretty much is revelatory, and it doesn't need to be decoded.
0: No, I think that there's enough information just everywhere on the face of everything, not in some secret uh, code hmm. that you know to know how to act and to know how to be. After Christianity stopped having explanatory power for me or the Christian narrative stopped being the way that I understood the world, um, I was kind of scandalized by this Martin Luther King quote. It it, 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 it like weirdly threatened me or made me – it just knocked me over, which is the somewhat famous one, you know, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I, what scandalized me is I thought – I don't know if I think that's true. Mm. I used to think that there was a, an advocate for the downtrodden and for for the unjustly treated and that everything would be set right at the end. And that's one of the things that I just sort of don't believe anymore. Mm. It, it seems too pat or – it's like why go through all this? If if all this stuff is going to emerge and do its thing sort of naturally, why have a thing – why do it at the at the end? Why not just build it into – why to, not start life in heaven? Yeah, or why not, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't seem helpful to me to think, "Oh, everything's going to be set right at the end." But I did I did wonder what do I think that everything is getting better subtly a little bit at a time or do I not think that? And uh, it took me a year, maybe more, to I would wrestle with that. Do I think that that's true? Do I think it's not true? And finally, I came to the conclusion that yeah, I do. I think it's true. I, it's what I perceive to be happening is that I don't know if it's evolution. If it's how good works and it emerges slowly, but like right. even like a a guy like Noam Chomsky, who's you know his job is to say what's wrong with the world and what's going on. When you ask him, "Is are things getting better?" He's like, "Yes, hmm. absolutely." You know, and I'll give you all these examples of culturally in this small sphere why I think things are getting better. And then if you zoom out a little bit more, there's just more and more and more data. Mm-hmm. So, almost an answer to your question what is this? I don't know, but it does seem like that there's this dynamic happening that
1: I don't know, but it's getting better. It
0: seems like it's getting, <laughs> it's going in this particular direction, and I don't know what what that would be or what what end that. That's a great is answer. <laughs> so I don't know, and I don't know why. I don't know if there's a puppet master. You yeah.
1: Know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: Are you at all hip to the idea that everything is God? There's no David. There's no Pete. There's no this room. It's just we're all just part of a thing that we call... Guys. Like
0: collective consciousness kind of thing? Yeah. Is that... Yeah, I I wonder about that. Yeah, um, I wonder about that too. And sometimes when I think about that, that does feel helpful. Um, you know, to me, the, the the Christian notion of the fruit on the tree you know that if you're believing good things or if you're believing things that are helpful and true that it will yield good fruit that's tends to be what i look for mm. you know are these things helpful these people buy into the system what kind of what what outcome are we talking about are they good to one another do they find equilibrium within themselves it's like the book of mormon did you that's see so... the book of mormon the mo- the the, 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 the play. play i haven't seen it yet i heard it's amazing
1: it's not a spoiler you'll be surprised that it has a little bit of that message where it's like what do you believe, and does it help people treat each other better? Do you have
0: to go? No, I don't.
1: Um, what about when you die? Because I, I wonder if you and I are the same. It's not It's not even weekly, but it might be every other week where I'm like, what if 14-year-old Pete is right, and I'm going to, like, die and open my eyes, and there's just, like, a cartoonish hell, and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? I have felt, um, since I kind of had my break with this Belief system. I have had two experiences where I was like panic attack, h- horrified mm. that what if what you're saying is true. Um, and uh, one of them was more potent than the other one. The other one was almost just like an aftershock or something like hmm. this. But the first one, it was a, it was a it was a crisis. And I remember lying there. You know, I'm doing this process of examining my own beliefs and trying to do right by. Even the notion that truth exists at all in the form of God or whatever, as well as I knew how, and, it, and as honestly as I knew how, I mean, you know, n- n- none of us are perfect, but I know my intentions. I know my uh, commitment to this project, and it's it's a pure thing. Mm. So I'm lying there in bed, and I know that whoever the all-seeing I also knows this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm lying there in bed, and I'm, you know, my wife's asleep. My kids are asleep. And I'm terrified. Part of it is because I think, oh, you know, my kids are vulnerable to hell. What if they burn in hell for all eternity? What if I'm wrong about all this and it's not just me who suffers for it, but it's my kids too? Mm-hmm. And I was lying there and I was kind of wrestling with this and battling And I mean, it's like a white hot panic terror, you know, that I'm feeling all those chemicals, adrenaline and just horror rolling through my veins. And then I just thought, this, this is how you get me? this is how you get me to believe in you is by coming to me in my bed and terrifying me with this blunt instrument of cosmic violence. Hmm. Fuck you.
1: <laughs>
0: Fuck you to death. That's just evil. <laughs> just like the, the ideas themselves aren't enough. Ooh. The love, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, ter- that's if you came to me and overwhelmed me with beauty. Yeah. That seems more realistic to me for the creator of photosynthesis. And, yeah. Uh, From the guy who made photosynthesis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> comes blunt terror. And it just – and that was the thing that whenever I just thought about hell when I was younger, this was years prior to this event happening. But I, when you just think about it, it just seems like that does seem like a guy made that up yeah that part of it. Some of the other stuff is like beautiful and seems to correspond to transcendence. <laughs> this part seems like a dude man just some it some asshole, yeah you know right um <laughs> and so so I don't know what happens, but I tend to think to me, I don't know that an afterlife is all that helpful of a notion to me in general. I just think if there is one or isn't one, that's fine, but I take this here for granted less when. This is all there is, mm. um, and so for me, that is my criteria for a lot of the things that I'm that I'm thinking. Is just like I want to be better. I want to be better here. I want to be a better dad, a better husband, a better friend, better sibling, son, whatever, um, colleague, and I. And afterlife doesn't help me do that. Yeah, in um, fact,
1: it probably will make you feel
0: more detached a little bit. But that's not to say that it's not true. I'm just. I understand. You know the the project is is very massive in its scope, and you can't do. I mean, you you can spend your whole life mm. doing this project for yourself, trying to understand things. But you also have to have like a here and now, like okay, how do I live right now, mm. and what motivates me to do to do good and to be good. And so that's kind of where I am with that. But I just listened to. There's this podcast called Intelligence Squared, which is like Oxford style debate. That's like an NPR show, and it, the the subject of the debate was. This, the statement was death is final and two people were arguing for the no, the motion and two people were arguing against it and I'll probably listen to that uh, today again because it it just has my brain right in this zone of like this guy says this in favor of there being an afterlife and my brain's racing thinking like could that be true hmm. uh, you know I, I'm just engaged and, and, and you know mulling it over you know like a rolling it over again and again because I'm curious and so I don't really know but my kind of current answer is that I I don't think there is one.
1: Because it it benefits you and you're not as you shouldn't be and you're not afraid to say that you're like this makes my life better this belief system is working for me. Yeah and I'm not afraid
0: that you know, a lot of people they believe that there is one because of the Pascal's Wager thing. They think yeah. like, well, I totally. have to believe in it because if I'm not, if I'm wrong, then right. it's the and it just is so much more believable to me that there's nothing to be afraid of in the afterlife than than it is that there is something to be afraid of because I just can't. If you if you build the whole thing up together and this is the God that makes the whole world go around the universe and it just doesn't make sense that that's one of the outcomes that people are going to burn in hell for all eternity it just isn't believable to me and that's what faith is so I have, I guess that's a faith statement you see all this data and it gets me to this certain conclusion but I have to bridge mm-hmm. from what I know to or from what I actually know to what I feel through, through faith and so the moral arc of the universe thing that's a, f- a statement of faith you know afterlife is nothing to be afraid of that's a statement of faith mm-hmm. um, but that's you know that's what I hope for
1: yeah, we should do that flatliners thing. Remember, F- Kiefer Sutherland and the part where
0: he videotapes him having sex with
1: people—is <laughs> that in there? I think is it is. <laughs> oh, where we kill ourselves for just for fifteen, just
0: for fifteen minutes <laughs> to try to see what the <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, yeah. I I mean I would recommend that that uh, that episode of that podcast because the one no, of the guys yeah I'm going to download it. One of the guys arguing for it is the neuro, is the neurosurgeon who had. A near-death experience. Oh yeah, Ernst. No, yeah, Abbott. That that sounds right. Yeah, Proof of Heaven. Read it. So he's one of the guys arguing for there being an afterlife in well, that debate. And this comes up from time to time, but
1: and I, I I need to look into this more. There's this guy who claims to have. He's a he's a science man. He's got mm-hmm. a PhD. Uh, claims to have thousands of examples of reincarnation. And I, I've read a lot of those books.
0: Oh, that's fucking Of
1: people uh, being like, this kid had a scar on his thing, and they asked where it was from, and he's like, that's the guy that killed me. <laughs> like my, my And then there's stories of these guys going and visiting their wives and being like, hi, it's Tim. <laughs> you know what I mean? And knowing where they were and like how they died and what their wife, and calling them. Fucking crazy shit that you right now just as i do have a choice to make we delete it as bullshit that's a fair choice right you can delete that as bullshit yeah. i am not here to tell you that that definitely happened i wasn't there yeah or you can be like
0: there might be something to that that's a that's a very interesting point and the, and exactly the the kind of important way to frame it because my current system that i'm juggling that i'm kind of like a this house of cards that i'm kind of creating that upsets the whole thing because there there really isn't a room in my and uh, my view. system my yeah. world view for that or that, that I don't see how that's helpful but I think if I'm doing this project the right way that I, at a certain point it's time to turn my attention toward that and say okay if there's there's something if it's just a belief system that some people have I, I don't care about that necessarily right. right but if it seems like oh this is demonstrable to some degree I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it I'm you gonna know? listen to that podcast um Well, and also, you know, I I listened to the Dave Hill episode and, you know, the notion of there isn't really a ton of room for I don't I don't value the notion of like a a immaterial soul or something like this. He was telling these ghost stories. Right. Um, And I like that guy and he's a smart guy. And I kind of believed him. Right. But that contradicts what I think about the world. Right. Um, and things, and I wonder wh- – I just – I guess more than anything, I wonder what that is, is the same way that I think that people who say the Gospels are either 100% right or they're 100% wrong, I think, that's ridiculous. It's it's a marbled thing. Right. That the nature of reality itself might be more nuanced and marbled. And when you talk about dark matter and all this stuff, there might be these phenomenon that it isn't that ghosts exist or ghosts don't exist, but the nature of our subconscious and that, that – how it connects – with one another and with dark matter. If right. The, you know, if the, I'm t- talking out of my ass when it comes to that stuff, but sure. maybe that's what's going on there. I really don't know. So, with right. the reincarnation thing, who knows?
1: It is frustrating that we have these feelings and we mm-hmm. have these leanings and this instinct that there might be something more, but then we're also uh, equipped with these brains. That know true and false and light mm-hmm. and dark and, and ask questions like, was Jesus real? Did that really happen? Yeah. And I think what I hear you saying is it is a lot of these great feelings, the 40 violinists in my stomach are in that middle place. Yep. The middle place that isn't interested in true and false. Mm-hmm. Po- post-rational. Yeah.
0: Trans-rational is the term. Well, and that's, you know, and so part of me, it's like you know, day to day, I've really got to cling to... The things that make sense and that are helpful for me going forward, just the same way that my Christian, uh, you know, counterparts are doing the same thing, mm-hmm. um, and that there are all these other possibilities. And I guess when I'm hearing a story like Dave's about his his mom and the the dream kind of in, encounters, right. um, I used to need to dismiss things that didn't fit in in my system, right? And now you put them in the cart. Out of empathy or out of just curiosity, I don't try to, like, blend them or or to to jive them with one another. But I just think, well, there's another aspect of things that I just really don't understand. That's right.
1: It's pieces of a mosaic. Mm -hmm. And all I hope is the more I let in, the better. (laughs) <laughs> that that seems to be doing well for me so far. Mm-hmm. And that when we zoom out on this, the thing that just looks like nothing at times and other times looks like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. When we pull out it'll it'll have some sort of shape to it. Yeah.
0: That's pleasing. <laughs> and do you f- I mean you say you you're saying this has been working out for you. Do you feel like it's moving in the direction that you want it to go? It
1: is, yeah. I, I feel like the only spirituality that works for me is the one that you have to be able to say, or it's horseshit. You have to. yeah. And I spent so much of my life in those chains of not being able to say this, this, or this. Mm-hmm. And now I, I find more understanding of God and, and existence and consciousness I do, the more that I just kind of talk to individual people and connect and really just be present when, mm-hmm. when you're talking about bringing in an infrastructure and a worldview, that's me hauling the past into this moment mm-hmm. and predicting the future. But when I'm really just in the moment, you can find some stuff that you weren't necessarily expecting or looking for. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and that, that goes back to our, our uh, theory of performing and stuff. It really is presence. And it's what, what is being offered to you? Dave Phil tells a ghost story. Okay. That's a big philosophy for this podcast. It's called, it's green lights. Go forward. Yeah. I believe you. I'm into it. I believe you. Let's see where this goes. Or we can drag the past experience in and go, 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 sir, horse shed. And I know it. And then we miss out a good, we miss out a good story.
0: <laughs> well, and, the, and, and to me, the comfort that he, <clears throat> that he clearly felt through that, that thing and, and that, that it eased this, this grief that he was feeling like that's a, that's beautiful to me. It is beautiful. And why, why, why lose mm, it on a technicality? Yeah. Why want to take that away <laughs> from anybody? Right. How do you warm up your voice? I lose my voice a lot. I don't warm it up so much, but for me, uh, eight hours of sleep a night and Big time. Helps. a gallon of water every day or a lot of water, an yeah. absurd amount of water. Hydration and sleep are the things that um, regenerate. Um, but also, you know, what I'm doing is, I think, less difficult than talking. You know, when I'm singing...
1: Well, they say you should sing your words to help your voice. Like, bring it into more of a sing place.
0: Yeah. That it's just... When I'm singing, there's this place of efficiency and sort of like... um, The machine is just like working well, you know, Mm -hmm. that I'm able to sing really, really loud, but it's... I'm not like pushing it out. I'm sort of... You know, it's breath and it's the shape of my face. Yeah. And Like,
1: they're going to find your skull and be like, this guy was a singer.
0: Well, you know, I mean, but we all have this. It's not unique to me, but there's something about singing that is just, it's a lot more bang for your buck than, than talking because it's, you know. So when I talk too much on tour or I'm talking over road noise to somebody else or I'm talking over oomps, oomps, yeah, yeah, oomps yeah, yeah, at yeah. the club at night, something like this, I lose my voice a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but if I'm just singing and there's not a lot of talking, and I'm getting full night's sleep, it's it's very rarely a problem. I love it. Yeah. We I,
1: I don't know if I – I think I asked this to Matt and the other guys. Let me go over my notes to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Mm-hmm. Creativity, uh, hell, <laughs> <laughs> uh, baby bathwater, corn myth, who believes literal – does your mom believe in a literal Adam and Eve story? She probably does, yeah, um, and certainly hell. And But like a six-day creation? I know it's hard That's a
0: good question I don't know
1: When I hear about you Having to come out To your mother Mm -hmm. Which I sympathize with And especially when you said Grieving it Like I understand And drinking Mm -hmm. And I I did my fair share of that During this time in my life as well Yeah It's difficult But uh, my my mother Is way more open To the idea That it's like The story of Genesis Tells us that God created The world Mm -hmm. Not how God created the world Mm -hmm. But it seems to me Like you were dealing With a little bit more Fundamentalism
0: I think so, um, but it's 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 funny because I also get so much of the progressive way that I think about the world from my my mom and dad too. So on the mm. one hand, there there are some isn't that funny me too things that I yeah. So they're not just like my mom specifically isn't just one way or the other. Although I think that as as I've been changing and as you know certain other people in our family are changing that there's that you see the fear creep in and people kind of grip. These uh, things a little tighter, mm. you know th- that they that they've believed or that they feel like are, if they let In go question. of them, yeah, that are that are being threatened. Yeah, um, and that's hard to see. And I try to tell her, you know, look, I really am sorry that things are not working out how you thought they were because mm-hmm. I know how hard that must be. Um, but I didn't, you know, no one's doing this to to hurt you. This is just i'm doing my i'm doing right i think i really do think that i'm doing right and you you raised me to do this Mm -hmm, in a way mm -hmm. and that hurts worse sometimes right for her
1: well that's a lyric isn't that you say something about my mom taught me to
0: follow my heart follow your heart she said to me after that came out um she said um you know i need to tell you that the only reason that um I t- taught you to follow your heart when you were a kid, is because I thought that Jesus was in your heart. Oh, and I oh, said, I know, Mom. You know, but I really do feel like I'm doing good. Like I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm, right. You know, it, this feels courageous and true to me. Right. And she said, I know. It kind of feels that way to me too sometimes. But I just can't make sense of it Hmm. you know in my head and so in some cases that gives me a lot of hope but she is like at odds internally she's wrestling and she doesn't have I mean she's coming from a very modernist kind of world view very authoritarian and you know proof text driven and it's one plus one equals two and so there isn't a, a lot of room in her brain for you know to make sense of of what's going on here and so my dad is a little less that way um he he you know he's definitely the one who's like you know if if the tibetan monk falls into the the crevasse and and dies i just there's some other way that that gets sorted out i just don't believe that 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 that's it you know kind of thing and he told me that years and years ago and so that was always really interesting, and I thought, okay, there is a little wiggle
1: room here. What are Tibetan monks saying? Because we always say cr- falling into a crevasse. I wonder if they're like if a Christian falls
0: into a <laughs> they well, just, they couldn't have the same.
1: <laughs> they, I don't. I honestly, I would be heartbroken if they're having the same bullshit conversations
0: we are. You know what I mean? Well, they, it wouldn't be Christians; it would be Western materialists, it's yeah, like, w- right. Know, whatever it is that, because I am sure if it's if it's a divinity th- thing. I kind of feel like more people in the world are just open to the possibilities, but it's really the bad fruit on the tree, like these wasteful, mm-hmm. fat, you know. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's what it chokes on his uh, McNuggets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what they're saying. When <laughs> the Western a, uh, good laugh. when a Western materialist chokes on his McNuggets, <laughs> does he go to hell immediately? Yeah. <laughs> Is there like
0: a, a, a contingency?
1: Yeah basically so the the final question we always ask is uh the hardest time you've laughed I don't know if you heard me ask Dave or Matt that question but uh I did hear you ask Dave that um can you think of a it doesn't have to this is not tell me a good story this is just what comes to mind when I say like a real crying with laughter moment
0: there I had this roommate (laughs) in college who I didn't really connect with on a lot of levels um but he and I, when we would, when the, either one of us would laugh, it was really contagious to the other one. We had a lot. We had like a laugh chemistry. That's funny. Even my, my roommate in college and I had the same thing. And so he would, over nothing at all, someone would start giggling, and then it would just, you know, this feedback loop would begin. And <laughs> one time, we were creating our outgoing voice mail like uh, message, and we had decided we were going to do it together and we we had kind of loosely scripted it and one of us started laughing in the middle of it and what we caught on tape was the most genuine laughter of two dudes that I've ever heard and so we would... People would call our answering machine just to hear us <laughs> laughing because it was just such a joyous uh, thing. And we, when we were in the room together, we would play it back uh, because hearing ourselves fall into laughter on yeah. tape would cause us to both. The just, only thing to top it is to hear you guys again laughing at the recording of you the, laughing. Yeah, we never did Was it tape that. or was it digital? I think it was uh, You got to put it on an album. It's, go- it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: if only one of you became a
0: musician. <laughs> well, and, and other times, too, when, we like, me and a, a guy, uh, this guy Tim Walsh, or T.W. Walsh, who, by the way, is a f- phenomenal songwriter. You should check him out. Um, but uh, we were doing radio promos for uh, Pedro the Lion record and sitting there and just hearing, that, you know, you're reading these things that they want you to say and the names <laughs> of these shows and the name, the call letters of the station and stuff like that. There were some moments of genuine laughter that were caught on tape. And whenever there's genuine intimate laughter that is recorded. Yeah. I just it's just the best thing. So we would <laughs> I actually edited all these things out and you know put them together and it just makes you feel good. It just it Yeah. lifts you. Yeah. Lifts you up. Well,
1: laughter yoga, laughter yoga that's a thing that comes up a lot is that they do it in nursing homes and stuff where they just have everyone laugh. I never heard of that. It's a thing. You just laugh and then it starts fake. We do it on the show. We should do it right now. Let's play a game. No. <laughs> I don't know if I can. (laughs) (laughs) We have to try. This is the game. Okay. There's no way to win or lose. We're going to fake laugh looking at each other. Okay. And if you start real laughing, you just raise your hand. Okay. And when this is done, you'll say keep it crispy and the show will be over. Okay. Okay? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I started real laughing right away uh, <laughs> 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 and That's real That's okay. real, you gotta raise your hand <laughs> oh, we I figured we
0: got a high five <laughs> Keep it crispy
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can we play a tune of yours at the beginning? Sure
0: Okay, we will Thanks
1: for doing it, man It was a pleasure
0: It was my pleasure, thank you so much Yeah, of I'm so crispy I'm so crispy My ice game making wanna get-